Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And we are so happy to have back two of our very favorite guests, Shane and Alicia O'Neill. Yay! Welcome Hello. back! Hello. Uh, I've so been looking forward to seeing you guys. This is so awesome. Yeah. yeah. With this episode, you now join our Four Timers Club. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, That's very few people in that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's rarefied air. It really is. Not only that, Shane and Alicia were our very first couple on the podcast. Yes. They made us think this is a good idea. We should have couples yeah. on sometimes. That's yeah. right. If you, yeah. it could have gone the other way. You guys could yeah. have been Our, real terrible, and then yeah, and then we're like, never again. No couples ever again. <laughs> no, clearly. <laughs> Shane and Alicia were last here for episode five hundred two. All aboard! Who's coming aboard? That was almost a year ago. Wow. So how have you guys been okay. in the last year? Things Good. are fine, you know, just uh, still uh, busy raising two kids and doing all the normal uh, life things that go along with that. But yeah. um, I don't think there's anything new new and exciting to report. We did get to go to Hawaii. We took we our kids that. for our 10-year wedding anniversary back yeah. in August. Oh, I yeah. love that. So, Congratulations. That's thank exciting. You. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I saw some pictures fun. from that that looked mm-hmm. beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah, it was great. Both of them frequently ask when we're going back mm. and uh, <laughs> we have to say you know something like that takes a little uh planning and preparation so we'll go again eventually but yeah. don't hold your breath <laughs> yeah i don't think i realized it was for your 10th anniversary yeah it seems so long like i know we're that old yeah right? <laughs> i love that oh. yeah. how old are your kids now they're seven and four mm-hmm. man wow Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first grade and preschool. Yeah, that seems like fun ages. Like, are, oh yeah, is it more and more fun the older they get? I always think that's probably true, or is it just different? I it, would say it's different. It's different. Yeah, I mean, they're a lot more independent now. Like, I mean, what was it? Christmas Eve morning, or or somewhere around Christmas, we woke up to Riley making her own French toast. Oh, so our seven-year-old daughter <laughs> making her own French toast in the kitchen. Just woke up to that. So yeah, we. See the uh, increase in independence. Was, sure. That was the day after Christmas oh, because after. she got a cookbook for oh, yeah. Christmas. Oh. So she, she woke up the next day and like she had done all the steps to make French toast, oh, which yeah. she had never done before. No. It's just fun for different reasons right. as yeah. they get older. Right. Yeah, because obviously like we miss the things that were fun with her when she was littler. Yeah. But yeah. now we're doing fun things with her that she couldn't do when she was little. Yeah. And... You know, our little guy is still little, so we yeah. still get that. We're yeah. holding on to every bit of Emmett, <laughs> our son, every bit of the baby that we have left, which is not a lot, but he still wants us to cuddle him. And so we're we're like taking every chance we get to just soak up the little bit of baby stuff left. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, that makes How was sense. the toast? <laughs> oh, it delicious. was actually quite good. <laughs> good job, Riley. Yeah. Very impressive. I still yeah. don't make French toast. I'd have to look up what to do. <laughs> so that's very you need cool. That cookbook. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> or just like some lessons from Riley. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah. we can have her send you her recipe. Uh, I would yeah. really yeah. like that, actually. <laughs> that would be so cute. Yes. I will say that is definitely something that's more fun as she gets older because when she was like three and four she was obsessed with like 
just taking whatever she could pull out of the fridge yes. and inventing these little recipes. And yes. of course, it would be something that no sane human would want to consume. Uh. And she would present <laughs> it to you, just so proud and eager to see to see you eat it. Uh-huh. And you would have to take a bite uh-huh. at least. And oh no, you know. So that's certainly gotten better as she's oh, gotten yeah. older. Oh, yeah, now she can read, so she loves to read cookbooks and. It's a little bit more appealing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's adorable. I love that. So, but she's always been into like cooking and. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah, she would invent things and invent names for them. Yeah, Her favorite <laughs> was the the bomblette. Oh yeah. She would, which would just be a concoction of anything. I remember her mixing like mashed up banana with like Parmesan cheese and calling it a bomblette. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It's so creative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll send you that recipe. Too. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. You know, someday when she's on Chopped, she's going to open her basket and there's going to be bananas and Parmesan yeah. cheese. Yeah. She'll know exactly what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like way ahead of you, folks. Right. My entire life has led me to this moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so great to have you back here. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yay. We're in the last season. We're uh, oh. We're in the oh, last three, three more. Yeah. Wait. Yes. Including this one. Including yeah. this one. I mean, yeah. Yes. It's so close. Time flies. Yeah. Very sad. It does fly. It is sad. Now, we both have felt like season six was kind of the season we were the least familiar with. Did you guys feel the same or did you remember this late into the series? Mm. So. When we did our last podcast with you, we were like in the process of just rewatching the entire series. Mm-hmm. So after that, we ended up finishing it. Okay. And how long ago did we finish it? Oh, it's been a while. A few months. Yeah, at least that. a few, maybe six. Yeah. Yeah. So then we went back, rewatched our episode for this last night. But I don't know, when it comes to like shows being memorable, we're like night and day because as as we were rewatching it, <laughs> Like, I could remember, like, beat for beat what's going to happen. Like, I could plot out the last episode. Me, not so much. It was like, <laughs> watch I was, like, yeah. watching it for the first time. Uh, you like, know, it was probably my third time. Yeah. <laughs> what's going to happen? Yeah. Does yeah, Sarah say not... yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> she was very invested. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's so weird, like, what I randomly remember and what I have lost all memory of. Like, that is something that has struck i think both of us as we've been doing this like what like how did we completely forget about this character this Uh Mm storyline but then you know we both saw the dishwasher in season two and we're like oh shit's about to go down this is it (laughs) crosby and jasmine's big fight (laughs) yeah and so that's maybe the weirdest when i don't remember until the very second yeah and then it all comes back it clicks yeah Yeah. because like i didn't remember that they fought over the dishwasher but once i saw the dishwasher i knew it was coming Mm yeah there it is that's funny (laughs) i you know i felt at least in my previous rewatch which was like 2015 so it was the year that the show went off the air i then like rewatched the whole series that's what i did Mm -hmm. too i remember thinking then that by the time i got to the last season I was exhausted with the show. Like, I still liked it, but I was sort of like, okay, okay. (laughs) And then we're going to have a montage, and then we're going to have some (laughs) tearful scene. And either, I don't know if I was ahead of it or, like, if the show had actually declined in quality, but it's something I'm interested in exploring with you guys in this conversation. Like, is there something the show could have been doing 
to stay fresher or is it just what I'm bringing to it as a viewer that sometimes make me think like, all right, come on, let's go. <laughs> I don't remember Enough thinking that, but I had okay. only watched it when it was originally on. Mm-hmm. And then the rewatch that we just finished this past year. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't remember having that feeling, but I feel like if you finished the series at its original airtime and then immediately rewatched all six seasons. Yeah. That's a lot of braver. Yes. yes. That's a good point. And, <laughs> and I do remember thinking at the time, cause I rewatched it very quickly that, and I've said this before on the podcast, I don't think it's a great show to binge. Yeah. Because like the, having some time between episodes, I think helps the viewer and helps the show. Yes. Because it's a lot. And yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like eating three desserts at once. (laughs) No, no, no. You got to have days and meals in between them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like this is us ended last year and I decided to do a very similar thing, which is like, just rewatch it right after. And I soon found that that is not a good show to binge either. Same same mm. thing. Very dramatic. Mm. And oh yeah, I'm just like I can't just sob every single night. Like it's too much. Like it's just <laughs> oh, like yeah, yeah. And so I've been like pairing it with Modern Family nice. because I realized I never I never actually watched that all the way to the end. And it like really works. Similar themes, but like one's much lighter. And I yeah. find that sometimes I just need a dumb sitcom instead of you know the heaviest thing in the whole world. So right. I think that makes We're sense. We're doing a Modern Family watch through right now. Yeah. You are? What season <laughs> yes. are you in? That's fun. Four or five. Four or we yeah. never finished it when Me it was neither. originally on. Yeah, yeah that's so why that's I decided. That's yeah. our goal. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in season 10 and still enjoying it, but I do sometimes have random thoughts like, if I were doing a podcast on this, I think I'd be pretty critical of certain things, like certain characters, like minor characters, but they like just sort yeah. of disappear or like disappear and reappear or like, I don't know, just kind of inconsistencies. But since I'm just like blowing through it and not doing a podcast, I'm like, whatever, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm it's really good. So Bill Dumphy is my spirit animal for sure. Oh, my oh, yeah. gosh. I love I, him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he might be my favorite character. Um, He's just, great. He is great. On this show, Adam with Hattie and all of his like creepy stuff about her, like in virginity and sex and stuff. Watching this, I'm like, Phil is so cool about his daughters being people. Like he doesn't have any of the hangups about them like dating or anything like that. True. None of that patriarchal yeah. like crap. Yeah. And like they started at the same time, those two shows. So I think that's yeah. kind of awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're always just people. They're not, I mean, he's protective of his family, but like he's no different with the girls than he is with Luke. And I think that's awesome. Right. Yeah. And he always wants to be like best friends with their boyfriends. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I find that that's a much, much cuter take. I don't know. I just, yeah. Feel, yeah. I enjoy that. So anyway. I feel like every time we come on this podcast, we end up talking about a different TV show. <laughs> we do. This time it's Modern it's Family. Full house. Yeah. Full house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, well, back to this boring show. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're discussing Parenthood Season 6, Episode 11, Let's Go Home. <laughs> I don't know why I had to say it like that. I just, it was like at the end of the long movie, Let's Go yeah, Home. Let's Go Home. <laughs> it was written by Sarah Watson, directed by Allison Liddy Brown. It originally aired on January 15th, 2015. And here's the TV Guide synopsis. Zeke and Camille find some old rolls of film, which Max develops. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just... 
struck by how boring of a sentence that is. Like, <laughs> you had never seen this show. And you're like, oh, what's this about? Oh, they find film and someone develops it. And that's a whole plot line. Anyway. I actually loved that plot line. So it is funny how, yeah. yeah. Like checking out some other show, Terrence pours a glass of juice. <laughs> anyway, okay, continuing with the synopsis. Meanwhile, Sarah and Julia share their relationship concerns. And Jasmine interferes when Adam and Crosby are determining the fate of the luncheonette. It does feel like we're in the home stretch because, for instance, in today's roll call, no Jabbar, and that, that's it. That's it. He's the only one not in it. Yeah, even little Aida's in it. Yeah, true. Yeah, and Nora's in it. Yeah, all the littles. Everyone's in it. It almost makes me sad for Jabbar. Like, for couldn't Jabbar. you just had him in the background? <laughs> yeah, couldn't he have been playing with Aida? Well, whatever. I want to mention this is the last episode written by Sarah Watson, who was on the show in some capacity, all six seasons. She started Aww. as like a mid-level writer and then worked her way up to being an executive producer. And there's a really lovely BuzzFeed article about her saying goodbye to this show in which she talks about writing this script and how she like delayed sending it to Jason Cadence because she didn't want it to be over. And, and she said, I kind of hoping you have a lot of notes so that <laughs> I have to like keep working on it. And he wrote back and said, sorry, no notes. Another beautiful script. (laughs) That's so nice. Yeah. You know, it also feels like things are wrapping up because I felt like the beginning of season six was really, really strong. To the point where I was like, is season six my favorite season? And I forgot that. And then we get to the middle part and I'm like, oh, right. Yep. Uneven. And these are not very good. Um, And now I feel like we're on an upswing again. And I'm like, oh, these are excellent. Like the last one was so good. And I thought this one was really good, too. And so, Yeah. yeah. And then like whole parts of their lives feel done now. Like, oh, we're never going to see or hear about Chambers Academy again, are we? Yeah. And now Christine is just back to doing laundry and supporting her husband, (laughs) even though she's still apparently running the school. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, done with that. Natalie has been off the map forever. I think she's the one who's going to (laughs) die. The death watch. (laughs) The death watch. Maybe it already happened. Yeah. Just, you know, no one cared. (laughs) Not even Drew. That's weird. Sorry, Um, Natalie. He's busy with his grandpa in every episode. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Anyway, I thought we would start with, I mean, speak of Braverman fatigue. Okay. I guess this is Graham fatigue because it's Joel and Julia, but it seems like. That this whole saga maybe has finally reached an end in this episode. (laughs) How did you two, you know, our married couple, how did you feel just about the whole storyline? Because I think last time you were on, it was starting like their marital troubles. And so I think you sort of mark the beginning and end maybe. Like we didn't plan that. We never do. But sometimes there are nice little things that kind of work out. But yeah, like did you think that their separation felt believable did did, were you on like one of their side more than the other it's a good question I think for me the entire time I'm rooting for them to get back together and I think that's probably how the writing is meant to go I don't think they wanted us to want them apart and so I I felt it was believable yeah yeah we're definitely uh Joel and Julia fans yeah (laughs) so like we were definitely rooting for them and I never felt it wasn't believable. No. Yeah. I would say maybe I felt like I was more on Joel's side the longer it like went on, like as it was 
apparent he wanted to be back together and mm-hmm. it just wasn't happening. Yeah. I was like, come on. <laughs> What's the come hold on, up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was. Julia definitely can be vague about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we we have to just work on it, right? Like how many times does she say that, especially yeah. in this episode? Like, well, we can't just jump back in. Like we have to work on it. And he he said, what do you say? Like, okay, well, I'm here. Like, let's do it. Let's work do on it now. Yeah. 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 And it's that aspect of it is why I actually found it kind of believable that they're just sleeping together first and like not really talking about things. Yeah. And I thought I could see how this might be the easiest thing for them to do at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the easiest way to connect because they don't have to talk about anything. Yeah. They don't, mm-hmm. You know, no apologies necessary, no accountability or reflection. <laughs> just it just fun and maybe comforting and yeah. exciting. Yeah. So I think they were kind of playing that for laughs. And in a way it was funny, but I was thinking like, is this silly? Is this ridiculous? And I ultimately thought, I don't think so. I think I kind of believe it. I really liked them in this episode. And I think it's because maybe this was the first episode I had kind of had Joel Julia fatigue because it was much lighter than it's been. You know, it was fun to see them like in that opening scene with them when they're on the phone. It was so flirty and I thought they had such good chemistry. And like, since Mark's going to be on the next one, he was watching it with me and he was like, oh, they're going to do it. You know, like when they were just on the phone with each other, he's like, (laughs) he's like, they're going to meet up. Like, like, listen to this. This is like palpable. You can feel it, you know? And, (laughs) and, and and, totally. And I thought that was so cute. And then I didn't even mind the scene where they're sneaking around and Sydney comes in. I thought it was fun. And I think I've missed fun with them. I kind of forgot that they have like chemistry that can be light and not just like tortured (laughs) yeah yeah i would say the most unbelievable aspect of it was how long it takes joel to silence his phone oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. like what was he doing down there yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's true that's true just so the ding can happen and yeah yeah, and that does feel convenient to the plot like he would immediately (laughs) do that but yeah and also i feel like given sydney's age yeah i feel like she would have known like no that Ding came from somewhere else. Yeah. And she's a genius. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she just texted her dad. So guess what? Like they should have just pretended that his phone was there for some reason. Maybe. I don't know what they should have done, but like, oh, he left it here. Joel, go hide in the bathroom or go hide in the closet. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) It wasn't about believability, I guess. No. It was about Sydney sitting on the bed, kicking her little feet and almost kicking Joel. That's what it was about. Yeah. 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 Also, we found out in that scene that Sydney plays the flute. I know. As I, did Melissa. I sure did. Sixth through twelfth oh, wow. grade. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I felt very connected with Sydney in that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is an opportunity for me to share one of my favorite stories about Melissa. Oh, fun. Ever. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. I don't know what this is going to so, be. So Melissa played the flute. And as we all have said before, Melissa's best friend was my sister, Jay, who played trumpet. And so because she played trumpet, Jay was in a band like wind ensemble and also in jazz band. And then by <laughs> Melissa's last year, I think you wanted to take another band class or you just had time and you're like, well, let me hang out with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. So Melissa enrolled in jazz band. I did. And 
played saxophone. Yeah. Tenor sax, right? It was alto. Yeah. Alto. Yeah. And we're going to use sarcastic quote marks around played. Uh, yeah, keep going. Yeah, because she didn't actually play the sax. And and are you, okay, and I feel like I've asked you this a million times. <laughs> yeah. But when you say you didn't play, do you mean like you didn't play very much or very well? Or do you mean like you did not know how to play? I don't think I ever figured out the read. I think any time that I like actually played, it like sort of honked. But but, but because I played flute, um, the fingerings are the same. So I knew the fingerings. So I just faked it the whole year. And oh my God. <laughs> pretended. I, mean, year. I pretended. To- oh my goodness. Even in concerts and stuff. Well, the really funny part was, so I sat next, <laughs> I sat next to this girl named Carla, and Carla was amazing. And I was like, as long as I'm sitting next to Carla, we're golden. No one's going to really know. And then I swear to God, I mean, this really does feel like an episode of Full House or something, but like we went to the concert and Carla was sick. <laughs> And it was all up to me. <laughs> and I swear to you that, like, at one moment, my band teacher locked eyes with me and, like, figured it out and was like, oh, no. Like, oh. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. So. There's, there's, like, a joke in my family. My sister played flute in middle school, I think. And they were at a concert, and her music fell off of her stand. So she just pretended for the rest of the song. But... You pretended for a year. I know. I'm going to have to tell her that. <laughs> it is ridiculous. The audacity of it is just... And it's so wow. unlike... You're just twiddling your fingers know, for it's, a year. It's so unlike me, too, because I'm such a rule follower. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I'm, it was my version of senioritis, I guess. I'm like, I'm over it. I'm not going to learn a whole other instrument. It's, How did just, Carla feel about it? I don't, I don't remember. I feel like I'm carrying this whole this section. Whole <laughs> I don't know. We weren't close. She probably just quietly resented me. Maybe, maybe she just pretended to got to get sick and was like, "That'll show her." You know, she's on another podcast somewhere right now talking about this girl who played alco sax next to her but didn't know what she was doing. It's probably a yeah. So there's oh, that. Man. Yeah. I'm so glad I got that on the podcast. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well. Joel and Julia are at some points actually trying to figure out where they stand, what their path back together is. And we get one like full fledged conversation about it. The kids, I mean, Joel, we put them through so much. We just can't confuse them. We can't give them false hope. Sorry, would it be false hope? I don't know that. Okay, I guess in that case, after last night, I guess I was having a little bit of false hope myself. No, there's, there's hope. We just have to do a lot of work. Yes. Yes. And I'm in. Okay. I'm ready, whatever it takes. Well, good. We just we have to do that before we can tell the kids. Okay. Because we have to come to the other side of this thing and know that we can make it. If we don't make it, it's just too much for them. We can't. Honey. Yeah. I love you. And I'm in. Whatever it is, we will work it out. Good. Okay. So, for instance, what about Chris? Sorry, what about I thought that was over. That is over, but I work with him. Uh-huh. And I'm not really in a position to quit my job. I mean, I don't want to quit my job. I like my job. I like my clients and my cases, and yeah. I, I feel good about myself there. I guess, um, yeah, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just have to to deal with it. Okay, and what about me? 
Well, you're a, you're a hot mess. That's, you know that. listen, I'm serious. I've been Are very you? emotional lately with yes. my dad and previously, and I have not always thought logically. Okay, I know. And listen, we're clearly, both emotional right now, but when have you not thought clearly? Two years ago, I was not thinking clearly. I was pretty much unraveling, and you left. Yeah, that's not going to happen again. Good, but... I can't tell you that it won't happen again, that I'll be... I don't know. I know that I was hard to live with. I realized that it was rough. Honey, I will tell you this as many times as you need me to. I will never leave you again. I will never leave you. Again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, probably in their marriage vows, he said a version of that. And now he has to say it again, but say mm -hmm. again after it. That's interesting. Yeah. So what did you think of that scene? At least they're finally talking, not just, right. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate Joel's humor. He tries to throw in there a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you're a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did it feel like true communication? Like it did did it feel like they were working things out? Like Alicia earlier you said that Julia could be kind of vague and I mm -hmm. wondered like after this conversation they pretty much are I think back together and even kissing in front of the kids. Right. What about this conversation made Julia think, "Yep, we're ready." You know? <laughs> like, oh, exactly. I mean like well how she says, "For example, Chris." So saying, "For example," was she saying like this is the main thing or was she saying literally like here's one thing and then are we supposed to believe that they're having more conversations mm. right yeah because the good thing about this conversation is they're both each acknowledging their own past failures mm -hmm. true yeah i liked that yeah and doing that is certainly necessary for them to move forward yeah and i i sometimes wonder if like well, this show in, in particular, since it's the one we're doing a podcast about, if they like underestimate our interest in watching this couple hash out all those issues, like she brings up one example, the Chris thing, which I took as just one of several issues. Mm -hmm. And I liked hearing something specific because I thought, yeah, if they were to get back together, they would need to. I mean, they don't have to. They never did before. Yeah. <laughs> but they should go point by point and say, OK, what about Chris? And right. what about you leaving? And what about Ed? And what about Evan Knight, this teacher I slept with? That or you maybe probably she don't know. I don't yeah. think he knows. Or what about me working and you working or you staying home or what about Victor being held back? Like mm -hmm. there's lots of specific things that I think it would behoove them to talk about. And I actually yeah. want to watch all those conversations. Me too. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, okay, nuts and bolts, details, boring. When do we go ice skating together? <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I also realized like, what are they going to do that for like multiple episodes? Certainly not now when there's, two left in the whole season yeah in the right. whole series but i think like oh, that's what i want to see because that's what they've never done before mm -hmm. but there was a little taste of it so i think maybe they were trying to say like yeah this is what they're going to do yeah mm. in that sense though I, joel's humor kind of bothered me a little bit i was like she's trying to have a conversation and you're just calling her a hot mess hacking jokes <laughs> I, I thought the tone was a little strange 
Yeah. That's totally something I would do. Maybe yeah. that's why I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I felt like his, like, I don't know, maybe I was just in a scroogey mood when I watched the episode. His, like, unwavering commitment, that, like, stoicism, no matter what, it didn't strike me as romantic. It felt kind of pathetic to me. I'm like, Joel, you have a lot to be upset about. And if you're not upset about it anymore, say that. But just the like, you can treat me however you want to, and I'll just take it. It was kind of what I was hearing. I was like, that's not the lesson to take away from this. I think I don't know. Maybe for me, yeah, it's really hard for me to get over the fact that I thought Joel had really good reasons for leaving last season. Like when he talked about how he had been there for her for years, so supportive. And when the positions were reversed, he could not count on her in the same way. And I think I would find their reunion much more beautiful and earned if that had been addressed. Because to me, that is the number one reason he left. I felt like Ed was just the last straw or something, you know? And so for her to be like, well, let's talk about Chris. I'm like, that doesn't feel like the issue. You know, like the tomato the, in the room. Yeah, right. the tomato in the room has always been. You know, I I still think I think it was season two when when Joel shouts at her when he like goes back to work for a week or something. You don't want me to work ever, and I think, why aren't they talking about that? How that's gonna look? That they really need to. I I you know and and. I didn't find it pathetic when Joel said that, although now that you say that, I'm like, oh, I guess that could be interpreted Mm -hmm. that way. I didn't Mm -hmm. think of it that way. I just thought, I guess I believe you because in season two, you just sort of randomly said to Julia after the whole Crosby cheats on Jasmine thing, I will never cheat on you. And you know what? He never did. Even when they were separated, he didn't date or sleep with anyone. Only Julia did. So I guess I thought, Okay, I believe you. You'll never leave again. Yeah. But I was like, I guess I just don't understand because you were so mad last season you left and nothing has changed. We've talked about that before, but it's hard for me to get over because I'm like, I don't know. I felt like their reasons for separating made sense and their reasons for getting back together don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like Maybe that's terrible. Well, and now I'm realizing as we discuss it, I feel like I've been more on Joel's side all along. I, I keep feeling like Julia made mistakes and then only like in the last episode did she ever actually say, yeah, what I did was wrong. Yeah. But now here she is really taking accountability for it and she's the one wanting to bring it up. Yeah. Like he's like, the past is over. I forgive you. It's okay. Which is great. I mean, if that's how he really feels, great. But in a way, I feel like he's sort of letting, he's like exempting her from the self-reflection that she's finally doing. And I feel like acknowledge what she is admitting here because mm-hmm. it can't be easy. She hasn't wanted to do it. For her to say like, I wasn't easy to live with. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a very vulnerable thing to say. And it almost felt dismissive to be like, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. No, yeah. say like, yeah, it was difficult. And that's why I left. And here's why I'm, I don't know. Yeah. No. It, I, I agree. It just felt, I was like, what's happening here? I mean, <laughs> I do want them back together. Me too. I have a quick observation that I didn't think about until you played the, the scene. And it occurred to me when they're talking about Chris and her working with him, Way back in season one, when Joel 
kissed Raquel, or I guess Raquel kissed Joel, whatever. And Julia's like, well, I don't want her around anymore. And she, I think she even says something to him like, what if I was at work every day with a guy who hit on me? And I was like, well, that's about to happen, you know, six oh. years later. And he's like, I guess I'll have to deal with it, is his answer, instead of, I want you to work somewhere else, like you said six years ago. <laughs> but uh-huh. anyway, in real life, full who, circle. Yeah, who, yeah, full circle. In real life, who's going to remember every little thing that's said? It's not like it's um, on tape that you can just replay like a TV show. So, yeah. <laughs> not always analyzed on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad, actually. I'm thinking of like, you know, Mark and I don't fight that much, but I'm glad that people can't just like, let's play that back. Who, who, <laughs> who was more at fault? Oh, it was Melissa, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was also a, a small moment in that scene where Julia says I'm not really in a position to quit my job Mm. and then it sounded like she corrected herself and said I don't want to quit my job yeah I like my clients I like my cases I feel good about myself there yeah and I wondered if that was a little window into some work she's doing on herself which is like don't spin it like a lawyer and don't make a good case for why you I can't quit my job if that's what you want me to do Say yeah. what you mean. I don't want to quit my job. I yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's good. Be more honest. Be more yeah. straightforward. Especially since probably part of the reason she was hard to live with two years ago is that she wasn't working and wasn't feeling good about herself. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I <laughs> my note at the end of the storyline was so Joel and Julia are back together. <laughs> it was kind of with you. Like, I that's I think what we're supposed to take from that. Yeah, we were kind of laughing at the whole ice skating sequence because it felt very much like, let's tie a Hallmark movie bow on this. (laughs) Yeah, Like, I I don't know. I think the whole ice skating aspect to it just added to the the cheese a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I did think it was really adorable when she was narrating on the phone. Like, I actually liked that scene more than him showing up and them, like, reconnecting. I I thought, oh, man, like, they were laughing together. And, you know, he was, like, leaning back against the wall, like, seeming really content. And she, I don't think we get to see Julia funny all that often. And for her to be like, Sydney, like a swan, you know, like, it was, I I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I thought that was very cute. cute. Maybe it would have even been cuter if he hadn't shown up, like if it had ended just with that. And then we get more of their reconciliation later. But I don't know, who am I to nitpick on that? I don't know. It was cute. I don't mind yeah. a Hallmark movie, you know, I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it felt to me like the takeaway we were supposed to take away was uh, <laughs> that they had all these details to hash out. And Julia had said, we need to do that before we get back together and let the kids know. And then, like, the lesson she learned was, no, do it in the other order. Mm -hmm. Just get back together, and then you can work out all the stuff. But maybe, like, don't overcomplicate this. Just just do it. Which I feel like was a lesson in in at least one other storyline. And I don't know. Maybe this was just Braverman fatigue, but I was a little (laughs) bit like, I'm not sure that that's great advice. Like, I think maybe you should hash some things out first. And I don't know if they had to, like, keep it a secret from the kids, but... I think you could be honest with them and say, we think there is a chance at reconciling. Here's the work we're going to do so that we make sure. But it, it, it felt to me like you said, Melissa, it's like, I'm glad that we're back together, but I'm not quite sure how we got here. And it feels like mostly we got here because the series is ending <laughs> and they needed it to get here. <laughs> I'm like, OK, that's fine. 
Go for a lap around the ring. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of fine with that, like them kissing and the kids are like, oh, but now that Mm -hmm. we're really like breaking it down, like I'm especially interested to hear what you two think as parents, but like, (laughs) would that be how you would tell your kids you're back together as they just skate into you making out? (laughs) Like, wouldn't it make more sense? <laughs> Wouldn't it make more sense if you did have the conversation? I mean, maybe that is just for the sake of TV. It's like cinematic or something. But if I were a kid, I might not just be like, oh, right, they're back together. I might be like, what's happening? You're yanking us oh, around. Yeah. I'm actually angry now. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's exactly how most kids in real life would react. Like, wait a second. Dad doesn't live with us anymore. Yeah. So what? Why are they kissing? Yeah. I don't know. But I, I love Sydney was adorable. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not a real life situation. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want this to sound like a critique of the kids acting. I didn't feel like they were reacting big enough. I was like, wait a minute. I expected them to be like way more excited, like skating over to them. Like, what's going on? But they're like, yay. (laughs) You're like, kids, do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Once more with feeling. Yeah. That's funny. I don't know. Apropos of nothing, I, I hate to sound like such an old fuddy-duddy, but Victor is so tall now. <laughs> I feel like once he was on skates, it was really obvious. I'm like, he's yeah. like as tall as Joel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Joel was wearing skates, too. So, I mean. Yeah. They're just the same height. Anyway. They grew up so fast. I, when I was a they kid, do. I used to always think that was so stupid when adults would be like, look how big you've got. I'm like, do you understand how growth works? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is this not some revelation? I was going to get bigger, but now that I'm old, I I see see it, it. (laughs) and I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I blown away by this? But I am. It is only two years since he was like a little boy, you know. Like his his voice hadn't changed. I mean, puberty, man. What a what a wild ride, you know. What do you do with that? (laughs) Anyway, Shane, I think you were about to say something more substantive. (laughs) Children grow. Oh, this is what I was going to say. I, I don't think we had ever put much thought into how we would tell the kids we're getting back together if, if we had broken up. But um, I certainly think there was some television flair to that. Like, yeah. oh, let's make it more of a picture than a sit down conversation. Yeah. And I, you know, I liked it. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just too much on the Joel and Julia fan club side of things, but I just like their whole story. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. I think it's really yeah. nice because sometimes I'll listen to the podcast back and I'm like, I'm a little negative. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like calm I, down. I understand all the points you both have made. Yeah. And like, I think they're valid and they make sense, but they're just things that don't occur to me when I'm watching it. Yeah. I'm just like along for the ride and I'm like, let's go. Let's get back together. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Well, I will say this. I do think we were supposed to realize that the skating rink was unplanned. Yeah. She was on the phone with him and then he just shows up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I think by kissing him, it was sort of like her admitting, you know what? I want to be with you. And even though I have these valid concerns about when's the right time to tell the kids and how should we tell them? Screw it. I love you. And We've been apart this long. Let's just be back together. Yeah. I hear that and I go, oh, sweet. 
Yeah. <laughs> there would never be a right time to tell them though. Yeah. Because no. they can do however much work they want, yeah. like in secret. Yeah. But yeah. they're yeah. never going to resolve all of their problems one hundred percent and then be like, Hey kids, we're totally good now. Yeah. And yeah. now we're back together. Surprise. Like right. yeah. there yeah. would always be more work to do after the kids found out. Yeah. Right. That's true. I also wonder, you know, like they acknowledge a few times that like they're emotional because of Zeke's health at the moment and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if that played into it too. Life like, is short. Life is short. We don't know mm-hmm. how much time we have. Yeah. Let's not waste any more of it apart. Yeah. I, I Something that I haven't really thought about for some reason, I'm not sure why. Maybe it was hearing you two say like, well, if we broke up, we hadn't thought about how we would tell the kids mm-hmm. we were back together. What a hypothetical all the way around. <laughs> but I don't know, like Mark and I have never broken up or, you know, taken a break or anything like that. I mean, we've obviously had, you know, fights and, and you know, rough patches and issues, but we, we've never actually like separated. And I... I'm sure it's so different for every single couple. Like you probably can't make like a universal claim on this, but I've heard people say that like once they got back together, they were like stronger than ever. And maybe there's some truth to that. But I I personally think the biggest thing that I have is, is just like that trust that he's not going anywhere and I'm not going anywhere. And I have to think that if, some at some point in the relationship, one of you is like, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> like this is this is <laughs> it. I I do think it would be really hard to trust the other person again. And I could see Julia's hesitation to tell them because you wouldn't want to like kiss in the skating rink and have the kids be all excited and then right. false alarm. Turns out we jumped the gun. I mean, I do I do get why, but maybe at that point she's just thinking. I do trust him, you know, or, and, and we can't guarantee anything, but I don't think we're going to break up again. I think, I think this is it. I I don't know. I just, I thought about that, but I guess on TV, most couples have broken up at least once, you know, Sarah and Hank have, Camille and Zeke have, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just, that's what you do. You know, you just, yeah. (laughs) Makes for interesting storylines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, Julia got Joel to leave work to come to the skating rink. That's yeah. true. Maybe that's what this all was all about. Her <laughs> breaking his will to work outside the home. <laughs> yeah. I got him. It took two years, but he's never going back to I mean, he was in that tiny little construction trailer, and, and there were two other people in there. Maybe they were just like, you know, we don't need to hear you talking to your wife, getting a narration about the goings on of the skating rink. Can you please just take the rest of the day off? <laughs> I bet you're right. Yeah, it was their idea. <laughs> I did think it was weird at the very beginning when she's like talking to Joel on the phone and she like takes his picture out of the drawer. And I was like, harsh. Yes. harsh. That's like the kids still live in the house. Don't they get to look at a picture of their dad? Like, I don't or know. might they open the drawer and go, yikes, mom's pissed. <laughs> Can't even My stand comment- to look. Yeah. <laughs> My comment to Alicia was, why don't you just have a framed picture of just my headshot? Like, that doesn't exist in our house. Every framed picture is of the two of us or of our whole family. Like, there's no picture of just me anywhere. So so Valentine's Day is coming up. That's what you'll be getting. Carry my face with you throughout the house. Just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. Congratulations to the happy couple. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from one couple to another, Sarah and Hank. Sarah and Hank. We were left on quite a cliffhanger with them last week. Can we talk about the thing? 
What? The what thing? The giant tomato in the room. Well, it's an elephant. We both know that. Well, we've learned that. To me, now it's a tomato. It's... What? What about what? What? Yeah, I said. Was I mean, that I, I, for real? I mean. What do I? I said everything. You said you know blurted out a proposal outside of the ER, and then yeah, we never yeah. talk talked about it again. And I just feel like is right, it one of those things where you know everything was high pressure and nobody had slept and my dad and you know like when you have feel like a plane's going down you just blurt out things you don't really mean no i mean why why would you think that because it, it seemed very unplanned and so what why does it have to be planned because I, 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 oh i don't know it's the rest of your life i don't what do you want me to say want me to, I, I'm, I can't say it again i i said it i said everything i wanted to say i said i love you and i i want to spend the rest of my life with you and I want you. I want you richer or poorer, better or worse. The whole wedding enchilada. It, it was high pressure and it was emotional. It may not have been the right place, but I meant it. I'm mean, never word of it. If there's a tomato. It's in your hands now, the, the tomato. I hope she doesn't make marinara. <laughs> I thought, okay, yes, I was in a mood when I watched this. I think so I'm looking at all my notes, and I'm like, nee, 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 nee. picky, picky, picky. I thought Hank's position was a little like TV and not realistic. I was like, if he really wants to marry Sarah, wouldn't he jump at the chance to have any conversation about it instead of like, what, what, why do you want to talk about? It? Oh, that. <laughs> You'd be all over this, man. Putting that aside, though, I thought what he said and the way he put it to her was really great. Yeah. Like, yeah. stood mm-hmm. by it. And I mean, like, this is before the credits, yeah. the, like the opening theme song. Like, that's an intense emotional scene. Mm-hmm. And if I were her and he's like, I meant every word that I said. Sorry if it wasn't the best time, but balls in your court. I'd mm-hmm. be like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just Tomato, interpreted tomatoes Frank, in your court. Or I just said Frank. Hank. Um, <laughs> Hank's kind of brushing off like, oh, what do you want to talk about? Is just like another aspect of his quirky personality. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, he was in his photography studio at that point, right? Yeah. He's like working on something. So I just imagine like in his mind, that's all he's thinking about. And she brings that's up the true. tomato and he's like, what, what are you, what tomato? I'm, I'm taking pictures of <laughs> sunglasses on statues or, or whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I interpreted that, but I don't know. I always feel like shout out to Ray Romano because oh, he's like such a good actor yeah, and like so great. Yeah, coming from just being a comedian and being on a sitcom and like mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by him. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed. I I think it's really hard for him to be vulnerable, and I bet in his mind he was like, I was already vulnerable when I proposed, and you, <laughs> you did not give me an answer. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have to be vulnerable again and explain to you that I meant the thing I said. Have you yeah. have you met me? When do I say things I don't mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right, right. I wonder if that was where he was coming from. I was kind of prepared to be annoyed at Sarah in this episode because I was like, either you want to marry him or you don't. What are you doing? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I guess in my mind, I'm like, if I guess usually I feel like if you need this much time to think about it, isn't the answer no? Like, I know that might sound judgmental, but like, that's my first instinct is that mm-hmm. if you're not like, yes, then what are you doing? Talking yourself into it or something. But 
I don't know. Weirdly, I actually wasn't annoyed with her. And I think I started to figure it out via her conversations with Julia and Camille that I think this is more to do with her than him. And I think it's like the same thing Julia was doing. Like, I think she's just like really scared that she's, yeah, yeah like that she's going to make the wrong decision. I don't know. She had a bad marriage before. And then she was engaged to Mark, and that didn't work out. So I think it makes mm-hmm. sense for her to be so cautious and maybe freaked out. Oh, yeah. And that's just, like, all on top of, like, I agree. I think that it is more about her. But she also brings up a little bit, like, well, can we communicate? Like, yeah. that, I mean, we see it. There is difficulty communicating. So I think there yeah. is genuine concern, like, that's a foundation of marriage and she recognizes. So she's got all this baggage. Yeah. Right. And then also this new guy, is this the person I want to marry that we, we don't even consistently communicate? Like I get it. I get where she's coming from, but I also love when uh, Hank brings up talking to Max, right. When Max comes yeah. in, and he's like, what is this? Is this one of the things that you don't like? Right. And She's like, no, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. I thought that was very sweet because I did too. I like that that aspect yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I was briefly annoyed with her. Yeah. <laughs> only briefly. So I feel like in that scene I just played, Hank hasn't been bringing this up since he did it. He yeah. proposed and then never said a word about it. And then she like hectors him in this scene about, whoa, aren't we going to talk about it? And he says, I said everything I want to say. And then the rest of the episode, he's waiting on her. It's so like, it's not like she had anything to say. Yeah. <laughs> but but then I was like, I think I'm overthinking it because I think what she wanted to know is, did you even mean it? Yeah. Mm. And then once she did know that, then she actually did need time to think about it. I guess yeah. I was just like, what did you think you were doing outside the thing when she's like, can we talk about it another time? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I... I guess I just assumed he really meant it. Yeah. It's like, okay, then Sarah, when you're ready to say something about it, bring it up again. Yeah. And instead she's like, why aren't you talking to me about it, Hank? (laughs) He's waiting for you. It's a little fun. But I got over that. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, no, no, it's okay. She didn't know. It's a little funny if you break it down that she's like, I wondered if you had just proposed to me because it was such, you got swept up in the moment. And I'm like, Swept up in the moment of being in the ER parking lot while your dad's in surgery. Like, that's actually kind of a sucky time to propose, right? Right. Like, like I don't know. I think that, I mean, and I don't even mean but that. But he was a, trying to be like Joel and the oh, in-laws yeah, and yeah. Like trying to be one of the family, maybe. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. I Yeah, so maybe it makes sense that she just wanted to be sure. Also, I think she has a whole thing about proposals needing to be planned because she was really yeah. obsessed with that when uh ryan oh, proposed to yeah Amber. i forgot about yeah. that she was like was yeah. it planned no That's oh right. didn't we talk about that on one of our i episodes? think we did yeah. yeah i think we did yeah all aboard is coming aboard because she was not aboard she was not on yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know melissa that brings up a good point a couple of times throughout this episode sarah mentions romance mm-hmm. like i know with Julia, when Julia suggests making a list, she says, well, it doesn't feel romantic. Yeah. And then I remembered the Amber Ryan thing and how Sarah had some judgment about that. And we discussed, like, is it romantic to plan it or is it more romantic if it's spontaneous? Yeah. And I just find the whole idea of romance a little... I, I don't know if I respond to it. And maybe it's because I'm so inexperienced with romance. 
But it made me think about what different people find romantic. And I feel like you've mentioned a lot before, like you and your mom Mm -hmm. have very different ideas of what is romantic. And that it seems like actually quite important to her. Yeah. If something is romantic or not, that it like reflects on a person. I hear that. I'm like, who cares if it's romantic or not? Do you want to marry them or no? That's <laughs> the, I'm like, I don't care how, but yeah, easy for me to say because it's kind of like theoretical. Yeah. How important is romance to you? I, I think romance is important to me, but like what I find romantic is kind of practical stuff. Um, and so maybe that's a cheat answer. I don't mean it to be, but like, I think it's romantic like that Mark and I like go on a walk almost every day and that we have really long conversations and that, you know, like, honestly, I think it was Christmas. We decided not to get each other anything because there was nothing we wanted. Like we were, we were yeah. like kind of so happy and satisfied with our life. I don't know that we're like, I, I don't actually want or need anything. And even when I was like, well, we could go like get a special dinner and call that Christmas. And he's like, babe, we do that all the time. I don't think we, yeah. I don't think we need to call that Christmas. You know, he was like, we can, but, and then that made me even happier. Cause I'm like, yeah, we, I, I don't know. And, and like, to me, that's really romantic that we're just so happy to like see each other. I mean, like it'll be 20 years that we're together this summer and we still feel that way. Aww. Yeah. I, I feel so <laughs> lucky. And to me that, that all, everything I just said is romantic, but like, it's mm. not the stuff that's in movies. Like, like I don't think like, he never comes home with like flowers. I don't give a shit. Like I, that, that, mm-hmm. that specific idea of romance means nothing to me because I, I'm all about like authentic and sincere and just like being present with a person and listening to a person and trusting a person and laughing. And all of that to me is romantic. Yeah. And I think probably Sarah does have that with Hank. And maybe that's what she's grappling with, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you two think? Well, hearing you say it, I'm going to let them talk. I promise. But <laughs> hearing you say that, it makes me think it's probably very important, at least in a relationship, that you and Mark have similar ideas of yeah. what constitutes romance. Yeah. If you had different ideas, then you'd never be satisfying the other. Yeah. So mm-hmm. does that feel right? Like, do you do you guys feel like you share opinions on what's romantic and what isn't? Yeah. I think luckily, since we we too have been together for almost almost 20 years, it'll be it'll be 20 years next, next spring. Year, yeah. That's cool. So so we've yeah. been together a long time. And I just talked to Shane about this the other day. I love the fact that we had, what, a good 10 years together before we had any children. Yeah. And we had so much time for just us. Yeah. And that was so hugely important because not everyone gets that, obviously, right? People, yeah. Families are made all kinds of different ways. But for us, I think that helped us to have a really, a more romantic time, right? Where we were we we never do a lot of like the you know stereotypical romantic things like he's he's come home with some random flowers a few times if you want to you know include that kind of thing but but I like what you're saying Melissa about how it's it is just more about like the genuine connection the day-to-day little things you do together yeah right like if we're like just random hugs sometimes just like passing by in the kitchen giving a quick hug yeah. That's more romantic to me than him being like, we're going on a fancy dinner this weekend. Yeah. You know, like I don't need that. And it's it's um now with kids, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> right. And that's probably what you're gonna you're probably thinking that is like we don't have time for like 
quote unquote romantic things. So it has to just be in the day to day. But even when we had time, like we didn't do a lot of that stuff. Like, you know, like we have friends who are like making these big extravagant plans for Valentine's Day. And like, I know I joked about giving her a framed headshot of myself earlier, (laughs) but we, we don't. We don't we, even, like, don't even acknowledge it. Valentine's Day yeah. and like we don't feel like we need to like yeah. I don't, like stuff like that or you know these stereotypical ideas of what's romantic has has never really that, mattered. Yeah. yeah. You know, weirdly, the only times I ever cared about Valentine's Day was um, like when I was in high school and didn't have a boyfriend and felt very sorry for myself because I was like, people were getting like stuffed animals sent to them at the office and stuff. And I was oh, like, I was like, I hate everyone. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> I was very upset about, about that. And I still like can like look back and remember that. And then I remember Mark and I had been together a couple of years and we had said we weren't going to do anything. And I really felt fine with that. I liked that. But then I went to work at this um, phone book company that I hated working at. But it was really weird. Everyone had gotten sent like flowers and stuff at their desk. And it was just so trippy because like now I'm a teacher that doesn't happen. It's not like, but it felt very, and I don't mean to be rude or, or anything, but it all felt very much for like show. Like, oh who, yeah, who got yeah. the biggest? Like, because everyone was in a cubicle and everyone could see what everybody got delivered that day, and it felt yeah. like people were in like competition with each other. And mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed to admit, it really got to me. And I like went home and I was like, everyone got flowers but me, you know. And and, and he was like, I thought we weren't gonna do anything. And I was like, <laughs> yep, but everyone else got them. And. He, <laughs> And I think it's like the only time I cared. And when I look back on that, I'm like, it's only because there was something insecure about me that I felt like. And and now just being older and us being together so long, I don't feel that way anymore. But I, I do think that's interesting, like like people's perception of your relationship. And I think like maybe you are lucky enough to get to a point where you're like not concerned with that. Like, who cares what, what people think? But I mm-hmm. I used to really care what people thought. Anyway, I, I don't know if that is even relevant to Sarah, but like, I wonder if she's grappling with all kinds of things. I mean, I don't know. I mean, she says the communication thing, which I get. I do think that's incredibly important. Yeah. I think Julia makes a good point where she's like, we're older now. We have kids and families that need to be part of these decisions. Yeah. And like her kids were not crazy about uh, Mr. Teacher Man and no. her being together. So like. I'm sure part of her is thinking like, well, how are the kids going to react this time when I tell them I'm engaged to yeah. hang? I have to just pepper in the most romantic gesture that I've ever seen that comes to my mind was my uncle Lyle <laughs> in the garage of their house. This was years ago when their kids were small. The back window of their minivan was really dusty and he had written in the dust, I love you guys. <laughs> and I just, sometime when the garage door went up, I discovered this and found out that he had just randomly, like one day when he came home from work, wrote it in there so that they would find it the next Aww. time. Oh. They all went in the car. And I'm like, that's romantic. That's sweet, yeah. It's just so thoughtful. And it's so him. Like <laughs> Classic would, Uncle Lyle. Would, it, yeah. Classic Uncle Lyle. <laughs> just like some tiny thoughtful gesture that comes straight from the heart. And I wonder if that's what it is. So much of romance to me just feels like it's the thought that counts. It's just yeah. like showing that you're thoughtful. Like it's funny to me that you guys 
feel semi like unromantic stereotypically because mm-hmm. I just think about your proposal story yeah. like, on yeah. the bridge in yeah. Central Park and that's I'm like, oh, really that's romantic. so romantic. <laughs> but what's romantic about it is, I think, just that you clearly put so much thought into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just speaks to, well, how important was it to you to ask Alicia to marry you? <laughs> Very important. Yeah. <laughs> and then here's some evidence to that effect. It's like, well, that's great. And it's a beautiful place, of course. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's that thought that really matters. Yeah. Rather than the showy, like, my bouquet was bigger than right. yours. Right. Right. Yeah. That really, like, who cares? Ugh, I know. I know. I really hate that that I got caught up in it, but I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, because I think I think people can. And I think that I don't know. And I think that is why the like showing up and finding the crib finished. Yeah. That's oh, romantic. Yeah. That's yes. and I, I feel like that's yes. tipped that's her next over. Level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. She didn't know he would be there. So because at first I was like, did she go there to give him an answer? But I'm like, no, because no. she went to Amber's. Yeah. She yeah. probably went to Amber's to ask Amber what she thought. Or to help she with the talk, finish the She crib. talked to Julia. <laughs> yeah. She talked to Camille. Yeah. Yeah. And instead she finds him there. Yeah. On his own. Like he went there, didn't even tell her, assuming. Yeah. 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 With his little toolbox. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Hey. Yes. What? Yes, what? To the question you asked me. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> no, are we getting married? <laughs> are we we're gonna get married? Yeah, I'd like to. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the kind of life they're going to have where he hears what she says and takes care of her, yeah. Mm-hmm. then yes. Earlier this season, he didn't, you know, like that was, he kept like, yeah, he kept like missing things. Like Amber was crying and he saw her crying and he like didn't ask about it. Like he, he was missing these signals. Right. And yeah, I guess that probably meant an enormous amount that he really was paying that much attention. And for sure. Yeah. I, I did really love that. And I thought her saying yes was pretty wonderful. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I did. I will say this about Camille's. Um, I liked that Camille said that she kind of had a list, but she just threw it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going on, sweetie? I feel Hank wants to get married. I know, but I I haven't given him an answer because I don't know what I want to do. And I have this long list of reasons why not. Well, there's always a list. Is there? I had a list. Thank goodness I kind of, you know, ultimately didn't pay much attention to it. But there are some things that maybe I should pay attention to. Do you love it? Yeah. Does it make you happy? (laughs) Yeah. Well, what else is there? (laughs) Yeah. Before I started dating Mark, I um, went on a date with a guy who kind of like made everything on the checklist, except I, I didn't have feelings for him, which... 
is arguably like the most important thing, <laughs> you know, like, like, um, yeah. who's like very smart and funny and nice. And like my previous long-term relationship, he had been an alcoholic and this guy was allergic to alcohol. <laughs> like, oh. I was like, check Boy, that box. Check, yeah. check, check. Huh? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, did, I didn't feel that way. And so I think when Camille says that the list didn't ultimately matter, I think that's kind of true. Like you can say you want, like I would have put non-smoker on my list. I mean, my dad had cancer from smoking, but when I met Mark, he was a smoker. He, he wasn't after like two years, you know, like, like two years later he quit and he hasn't since. So he hasn't been a smoker in a very long time. But if I'd been like, no, never dating a smoker ever, it's a deal breaker, then I would have a different life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, And I think that's interesting too. Like you can have pro con lists, but I think I understand what Sarah's saying when she's like, it feels unromantic. Like ultimately, I don't know what a list is going to do. I mean, you, you want to marry someone or you don't like, I, yeah, yeah I yep. mean, yeah. So, well that I was going to ask you all a question about pro con lists. And do you mm-hmm. think they're a good idea or a bad idea? And I was like, let's make a pro con list about, Pro con list. <laughs> but I feel like you just answered the question. Cause I think they do serve as purpose, but it's like, it's also sort of like um sometimes I'll flip a coin if I'm like trying to think mm-hmm. of decide between two things. And it's less about what the coin says than my reaction to what yes. it's yeah. yeah. And if yes. I realize like, oh, it's tails, oh, that means I'm going with option B. Mm. I'm like, oh, so I actually wanted option A. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Now I now I know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, We can't can't deny how you truly feel about something. And I I was thinking that about their whole the whole pro con list concept that she kept bringing up was almost like almost comical to me, just because of thinking about my own our own proposal story. Like at that time we had been together for eight years and I was so convinced that he was <laughs> never going to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I gave him crap all the time. Like you don't actually love me. You're not actually going to ask me. And he would just crack up. Like every, all of our friends would be like, Alicia, you're crazy. Just hold on. It's coming. He will pop the question. So I never had a pro con list because I was just so focused on instead of thinking like, huh, am I for sure he's for me? Instead, I was like, why won't he ask the me? The only con on her list was he's never going to propose. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Mark and I were also together eight years. We got married on our nine year dating anniversary. So yeah, very, very similar. So yeah, yeah, there was no need for it. Maybe that's why I feel the way I feel like. If someone asks you and you need time to think about it, what is that? Mm. But easy for me to say after eight years right. and wanting someone to ask. I mean, technically, I guess Sarah and Hank have only been back together maybe six months or something. That that, yeah. is, that is fast. That's a different scenario for yeah. sure than you and I. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Ultimately, I think if somebody asks you to marry them and you're leaving the final decision on a pro con list and you're going to make the list <laughs> and abide by its rulings, you probably should say no to that yeah. person. That's <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember even last episode thinking like when he proposed and she was like, I need time. And I got that her dad was in the hospital and stuff. I, I do get mm-hmm. that. But like, I just thought 
is that a good sign? And and then I did kind of think, is it possible to be too practical? You know, like, does she just think Hank is a good idea? But then I'm like, who would think Hank is a good idea? I mean, I love Hank. <laughs> I do now. Uh, this season, I really do, uh, surprisingly. But at the same time, I'm like, it's not like you would be with Hank because he checks all the boxes. I don't know that he does. I mean, she said things like secure. And I'm like, I guess so. But in the past, we haven't thought that, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, as Rory Gilmore says to Paris Geller when she makes a pro-con list about whether or not to sleep with her boyfriend. Some things can't be analyzed. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But parenthood isn't one of them. (laughs) We will continue to analyze the shit out of it. (laughs) Isn't that when that list came about? Am I right, Melissa? It was about sleeping with Jamie? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I believe it was. I also loved that they showed Hank... In effect, making a list of his own. This is not from the 1987 Berkeley College Parents Weekend. My Aunt Sarah did not go to Berkeley College, nor did she go to any college at all. According to my dad, she made a series of poor decisions in her 20s. Yeah, well, that's what you do, Max. You just you make one dumb choice after another. I think you know it all. And God, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted out of life. I didn't have a clue. But now... It's weird now. I just, uh, it's like my life got a whole bunch more complicated, but what I want out of it got a hell of a lot simpler. I don't understand what you're saying. I don't know. I don't know what she wants. Don't get me wrong, I, I got a list for her, too. Who are we talking about? Your Aunt Sarah. I could think of a whole lot of things that she does that annoy me. So can I. Example, she talks too much. Yeah, she does. She does, right? That's yeah. a very good point. Talks a lot. Far too loud and far too often. Yeah. Yeah, she does. She does, but... I don't know. Sometimes it's just the way she does it sometimes. It's her voice. It's part of the silence. I prefer actual silence to Aunt Sarah's voice. I thought that was such a sweet scene. Max is maybe the best thing that ever happened to Hank because it really lets us hear inside Hank's head like that's where we get Mm. Hank's inner life yeah he says it to Max and I liked that he was saying like you know there's things about her that annoy me too yeah Mm -hmm. because however much you adore someone there's gonna be something that would be on their list that's just the truth (laughs) yeah and then similarly like to Camille watching him start listing those things and then kind of throw up his hands because he realized it didn't matter was very cute. Yeah. I want to mention in Sarah's scene with Julia, Sarah is wearing a Barnard hat, which is Lauren Graham's alma mater. Oh, I love that. Nice. I also, her scene with Camille made me shockingly emotional. I feel like we just hadn't seen them together in a really long time. It gave me flashbacks to like season one when Camille was like dating and Sarah was keeping an eye on her. And I don't know. I just felt like we hadn't seen Sarah turn to her for guidance Mm -hmm. in a really long time. Same with like Adam and Zeke in this episode. I feel like they Mm -hmm. were actually getting wisdom from their parents. I was like, this is nice to see again. Mm -hmm. And then just Lauren Graham's face throughout the whole scene, the way she reacted to everything Camille said was just awesome. Mm And when they talked about the big fight before she left home. That's what made me emotional. Something about that I I had never thought about before. I mean, I knew that Sarah had left home and I knew that they'd had a rocky relationship around the time that she got together with Seth. And then that in the pilot, she was coming back to Berkeley. But are we supposed to understand that they were like at least semi estranged 
that whole time? I actually wrote that same question down. I'm I'm not sure, but I was like, when 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 Sarah says too many years later, because you know Camille's like you you came back, and she's like too mm-hmm. many years later. I'm like, how many years? Like, yeah, is that is that yeah. you came back to our house after Berkeley, and we didn't talk that whole time? I mean, I wouldn't move in with my mm-hmm. parents like that if I didn't have some sort of relationship with that. You know, if I hadn't talked to them and. 12 years or whatever, like 15 years. I, I don't know how, however old Amber was, I guess like 15 years, 16 years. I don't know that my first move would be, I'm going to move in with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I feel like, or like in the first season, I feel like the kids have a relationship with the grandparents. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not like they're strangers to each other. It's not like Gilmore right. Girls where Rory really doesn't know her grandparents when the show starts. But I could also see, even if they weren't strangers, but if it was like, we had this huge fight, I left, we didn't talk for a while. And then ever since then, we've been slowly working our way back together. But I mean, even that is more serious than I think I've been imagining this whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just makes me think of everything a little differently. Yeah. I mean, like Drew leaving in the pilot episode and going to his dad's makes even more sense. Like you're taking me to these grandparents who like, I, you know, I know you're not super close with. I know yeah. you don't want to live with them. I don't really know that. I'm going to be around all my cousins who I've maybe seen a handful of times. We're mm-hmm. not friends. What What's there for me? Let me go live with dad. Right. I feel like you showed me an extended scene I think maybe when it was, um, oh, I can't think of her name from ER, who was the original Sarah. Maura Tierney. Tierney. Yeah, Maura Tierney. I feel like you might have shown me an extended scene where after she and Amber get into that fight about Damien, they like go out to the car and they're like, the car won't start. I don't think that's in the real pilot, but I think, yeah. yeah. And I think that maybe Amber and Drew say something like, we don't really know our cousins. I think they might make a comment like that. And I wondered if they maybe shortened that scene, not just for time, but because maybe they didn't want to commit to that. Like they don't really know each other. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm right, but like, you know, maybe they're like, let's leave it a little bit more open-ended and vague and we can write one way or the other. I don't know. Get in the car. We're going to see our family. I don't even know my cousins. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Of course you do. This is going to be great. So there's some conflicting things there. Yeah. My guess is it's probably, they're not as strange like we never speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're not close. Yeah. Right. And I think that's probably a good guess, Melissa, that maybe they didn't want to hem themselves in with like, oh, yeah, we have no history with these people. Yeah. If they if they committed to that and then came barreling in with how often the Bravermans are always together and hanging out at each other's houses, that would have not. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) They'd be like, what is this? This wasn't our lives. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a little conversation they have, but it makes sense that they would be tearful, you know, Sarah and Camille talking about it, because that's really hard. And I imagine it probably wasn't just hard for the two of them. It was probably hard for all the siblings if they're mm-hmm. like all maybe they were all hanging out with each other, but Sarah was away and not part of it. And I don't know, I just it does kind of change that narrative of the Bravermans are unfailingly close to each other always 
And I kind of wish the show had explored that more because as painful as it is, it's like a realistic, real life kind of painful thing that sometimes happens in families. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like a really easy way to have conflict and drama that isn't like inventing stuff. Like if you've got that in Mm -hmm. your history, but you're not like really exploring it, I'm not sure why, because that's pretty intense and and really difficult for everybody in the family. So yeah. It would make me feel different about moments that I've called emotional bullying like yeah. Adam telling Hattie she has to go to the walkathon because someday we won't have each other. Yeah. Or Camille and Zeke telling Adam, you've got to talk to Crosby, even though he slept with Max's behavioral aide and told Max he has Asperger's. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Joel, you've got to go to the baptism because you're part of the family. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it doesn't necessarily make those things right, it at least explains where they're coming from. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, my baggage is I was really burned by the family not speaking to each other for a while. And I want to avoid that again at all costs. It's not worth it. Yeah. That would have been interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's probably why I loved that scene because I liked at least it being hinted at. It was really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And at first, Camille's actual advice felt a little flat to me. It's like, I get that the rest of what she's saying is lists can obscure like the basic facts of a relationship but i was still like it's overly simplistic though like maybe there are things do you love him does he make you happy that (laughs) that's not the only questions to answer and yet especially since it does feel like a bit of a theme because i think that's like what julia was doing she was overcomplicating it instead of focusing on the big picture Mm -hmm. i'm like well there is a point to be made for like the details will sort themselves out And then especially with this estrangement thing we're talking about, I wonder if there's a theme too of like not wasting time. You don't know Mm -hmm. how much time you have left. So, hey, Julia, get back in your marriage while you can. Hey, Sarah, say yes to this proposal while it's here because Mm -hmm. I don't know. I also think the more I'm thinking about it, pro-con lists feel very different to me than like red flags or deal breakers. Like... I loved the boyfriend that I had, you know, that I've talked about before. I was like 19 and 20. Um, But I I would never have married him. Like he even once mentioned like maybe we could live together. And I thought, no. Or like he would mention maybe us having kids someday. And I would think I wouldn't trust you around our kids. Like I knew we were not going to work out. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I loved him Mm -hmm. and I probably stayed Mm -hmm. with him longer than I should have. But if he'd asked me, I might have said I need time only because it would have been so hard to say no, because I loved him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very different. Like those were really real concerns. But like, I mean, I once met a guy, he was my friend's boyfriend turned husband, and I thought he was obnoxious. He had this insane pro con, like it was, I guess it wasn't even a pro con list. It was like a list of requirements and it was like specific heights, you know, like for the, for the mm. woman, it was so gross. And I mean, I actually thought it was cute when, when she said that Hank was taller than her and she was like, you know, not a requirement, but it's a plus or whatever she says. I thought that was cute because she made it clear that that wasn't like, but some people legit mean that shit and their pro con lists or their like wish lists or whatever it is have nothing to do with real feelings or, or, mm. <laughs> it's so yeah. stupid. And I'm just like, what's a pro con list going to do at this point? Like, you got to know, is the communication thing bad enough or not? Like, that's the right. list. It feels silly to put things on there like handsome and funny. Like, you know that. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being ridiculous, but I just I'm like, what are they even talking about? You know, like, 
you know what your real issues are. Just talk about those, figure those out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say when Sarah finally said yes, yeah, I didn't think it would make me as happy as it did, Aww. but it did. And I, I just thought, bravo parenthood. You turned me around on this character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you turned me around on the guy who ruined her relationship with Mark Sear. Yeah. I mean, she did most of that herself. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was he was the next, he was the supporting actor in that yeah. <laughs> saga. And, you know, for all the like Braverman fatigue talk in season six that I've been mentioning, and for all the nitpicking I've done about scenes without Braverman's that focus on Hank and his family. He's maybe the most successful character arc of season six. Mm. Like there's Mm -hmm. not been a moment with him where I was like, well, this didn't make any sense or this really didn't work. All of Hank's stuff this season is like bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Knocked it out of the park. And I think they would have to, for me to greet this news with anything, (laughs) With any kind of enthusiasm, but I did. I was like, oh my God, Hank's finally going to get what he wants. <laughs> and he deserves it at this point. Like that's, yeah. that's major. Cause I, yeah, I borderline yes. couldn't stand him on this watch, like in season four when he was, Oh wow. yeah, he was so, I thought the way that he pursued Sarah, even though she was engaged, I don't know. It was really upsetting to me. Like, and, and also I thought that Mark Sear was just so like healthy and, at the time, I didn't think Hank was because he was so single-minded, you know, like when he didn't care that Sarah had plans for the weekend with with Mark to go to a wedding. And he was like, well, you have to come with me because I've got to try to get, get Ruby. I just thought he was very selfish or like he called her when he was drunk in the middle of the night to come get him when she was engaged to someone else and she went like I mm-hmm. I had thoughts like this is completely inappropriate and awful. And she's like actively choosing to like run after this guy who is kind of a mess rather than like stay with this like healthy person who loves her and so this watch i i don't know i was really upset about them and yeah for them to like take it all the way around to some sort of arc where i also felt very happy when she said yes in this episode i'm like (laughs) okay then we've been on a journey and <laughs> yeah. that's just great writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. I mean, I always liked Ray Romano. Like I was never like, Oh, they, oh yeah. I was never like, why'd they get this hack? I mean, I was always very impressed with him. <laughs> and I almost wonder if like, it was kind of extra impressive that I like almost couldn't stand him. Cause it wasn't because he was a bad actor. It was cause he was so it's good. Hank himself. It was yeah. Hank himself. Yeah. yeah. And right. it was interesting. I mean, like if you don't know that he has autism probably, which, he, he didn't. And I was acting like I didn't remember that, you know, I was just trying to like be in the moment. It does come off like as selfish and um, mm-hmm. gruff and kind of mean until you can contextualize it. And he wasn't working on it until he knew. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and I think if we were to watch his like introduction in season four now. Yeah. I think it would seem almost like a completely different character. And it makes me really think, I know we wondered this earlier in the podcast, did they have it planned for him to be autistic the whole time? Or is that something that they came up with and then sort of like. Right. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. And now I'm firmly in the camp of they were not planning that because I think in season four, he just was a curmudgeon. He was a kind of stick in the mud, set in his ways, selfish, sexist, gruff, really sexist. sexist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, when he, 
when she said yes, what I really felt was like, I hate to say pity because I feel like pity has a really negative connotation, but it was like this guy that I pitied was finally getting something good. And I thought this is so not the way I would have reacted to a season four Hank getting something he wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that is largely because they added the autism element and that was the most believable catalyst for really changing his character in some pretty fundamental ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, he's not an asshole and he's not gruff. (laughs) He has no social skills and he never even knew it. And now once he knows it, he can try and improve it. That is a really flattering quality on anyone. Mm Self-improvement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just keep remembering that probably the first thing that made me like go, oh no, to Hank in season four on this watch was when Amy had broken up with Drew and Sarah was wanting to talk about it. And Hank was like, well, what I think he should do is sleep with her best friend. <laughs> and then and and then he was like, because she's going to do that to him. She's going to do that to him. And it was and I was like, God, like what? It's a bad look, Hank. It's a bad look. Yeah. And then like, meanwhile, you know, she's with Mark Sear, who's like, oh, poor Drew. Let's like, you know, see what he needs to. You know, And I'm like, Sarah, I can't believe you're torn. <laughs> like, it's just like, I don't understand this. And I don't think he would ever say something like that now, because I do think they've like fundamentally changed him in, in ways that make sense with his diagnosis and in ways that were probably just like, well, we ended up really liking him and <laughs> we need to keep him around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's funny to hear you talk about that because the whole idea of his diagnosis coming along as the show progresses, I'm wondering now about the whole autistic adult community because there's there's so many people that are diagnosed later in life, yeah. right? Who are adults who have been getting by okay but have always felt like they were a little bit different yeah and I so I wonder now if there is a a group of people that have seen parenthood that have related to Hank yeah and who have been watching and and then when he gets diagnosed they're like oh wait that was me too and oh I saw it I I knew right away for Hank you know so now I'm curious (laughs) <laughs> we did get at least one email from someone who said they'd never watched the show before and like didn't know. And they were like, I think you guys are being really hard on Hank because from where mm-hmm. I sit, it seems like he might be on the spectrum. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just you wait, <laughs> just you wait, <laughs> perceptive viewer. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but we didn't, we did, we talked about it, but we were like, we don't really want to say that he does. Cause that's a pretty major spoiler, you know? So we're just yeah. going to, when we first watched, neither of us had picked up on it or guessed. So we just kind of made the decision to be watching his mm-hmm. actions without contextualizing it that way. Cause we were like, how do we even contextualize it without spoiling that for anybody yeah. watching it for the first time? Yeah, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting. Alicia, did you ever see the show As We See It on Amazon? No. Mm-mm. It's another Jason Kadem's show about oh. adults with autism. Oh, interesting. Who, three three yeah. adults who live together and then their aide who works with all three of them. Oh, and it didn't get renewed for another season, which is a shame. I thought it was really excellent. And all three of the main actors were actually autistic. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a guy who Rick Glassman, I think his name is, who I had semi heard of. And I I was surprised that he was autistic. 
And it was a situation like that. He had only been diagnosed like in the last few years. Yeah. And he had been getting by basically without incident, but had some little mm-hmm. behaviors and things that he had wondered about and then were explained with this diagnosis. Yeah. Oh, She's probably going to start watching that. I probably week. am. <laughs> I highly recommend it. I mean, now it's only 10 episodes. and uh, But it was great. Some things that they did with Hank, I think you could make an argument that they might have known. Like the way that he didn't know anyone's name of the, like the the first time we ever see him shooting and Sarah's his assistant back in season four and he doesn't know any of their names and he doesn't like care to try to learn <laughs> and Sarah knows all their names that feels like something that could come off as very rude if you don't know uh-huh. but like I could see Max being like, well, I, I'm never going to see these people again. <laughs> you know, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just here to take their pictures. You right, know, like that, right. that, that recontextualizes that for me for sure. But maybe they just realized, oh, some of this works. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say because some of the stuff he said was just really sexist and awful, and he was always so mean about his wife. But you know, they they really they worked it in very well. Like mm-hmm. for him to be having realizations about like, oh, I thought everything was your fault and you were a shrew. He says to his wife. It, Anyway, yeah, yeah, and he's like, now I'm realizing. I'd be curious to know if they didn't have that autism plan in the writing arc from the beginning. Like, what were they going to do? Yeah, like yeah. what, what other thing. purpose would he have served ultimately? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Especially if they didn't bring him back. Like, if he was just going to be on in season four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, was he just there to break them up? Are we supposed to enjoy that? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> And why did they never offer, I mean, maybe they did. Why did they never offer Jason Ritter, like, just join the cast? Like, it's one thing to be like, well, we're not going to ask you to not audition for other series when you can get a full-time job. But once he'd been on for, like, four seasons, offer him this series. And then maybe he wasn't interested. But it's like, why couldn't Mark have just joined the family? And then we have one of these siblings' families is a blended family. That's which interesting. Doesn't exist in any of the other siblings' lives. That's true. Even even Crosby and Jabbar, or sorry, Crosby and Jasmine, because Jabbar was. Yeah, they're his. all like fully blood yeah. related. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, I personally would have would have loved it, of course, because I loved Mark Sear. But <laughs> yeah, I I think that was probably also part of my like hesitation with Hank is just like, Oh, this is when they bring on Ray Romano and it spells the end for one of my favorite characters. Great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, maybe if you just have the opportunity to bring on someone of his caliber, you do it and Mm -hmm. you figure it out. And I mean, I think a lot of, it is interesting. Like uh, there are, there's like, think about it this way on Cheers, you know, Sam and Diane, that's like the biggest, example I can think of of like those opposing personalities and Sam wasn't on the spectrum he was a dick (laughs) like you know what I mean but he was charming and he was funny and he was like but I mean he says horrible things on that you know and and you're just supposed to go with it because you like him enough and I wonder was that their plan for Hank like he says really Mm -hmm. abhorrent things but oh but there's more to him beneath that gruff exterior and you just gotta dig and get to it I mean People love that shit. I I used to really buy into that. I I liked sure. guys Although, who were very having nice. recently rewatched Cheers, did you remember that in the final season Sam goes to like sex addiction? I don't. I did not remember groups. that. Yeah. Wow. Good. You need I mean, it. he hooks up with one of the women there. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but he but he also does like he's like actually examining his behavior like what do, what do I do why do I treat people this way but but even so like early on he and Diane like one of their fights they're literally hitting each other yeah <laughs> it's like wow. this is so messed up and I just don't think we would find it charming today yeah that is interesting anyway Moving on to the luncheonette, which was weirdly the storyline that I felt most invested in in this episode. Wow. I mean, I was just too nitpicky with all the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, I've got opi- I've got opinions on this one, too. But. <laughs> Caleb's in a mood. I like it. Yeah, I was in real. a mood. Don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Like I said earlier, it was nice to have a scene between Adam and Zeke where Adam felt like he was actually getting some wisdom from his father. And for once, the wisdom wasn't just... Devotion to the family. <laughs> I want out of the luncheonette. Out of the business. Yeah, it's been so hard recently for us to turn any profit. We're just getting deeper and deeper into debt. And I felt like this insurance money could liberate us. It's enough for us to just have a clean break. And I just want to move on and figure out what I want to do next. What I want to do with my life. But I can't because this is... It's Crosby's dream. That's what's going on. Well, Crosby's old enough to know that dreams get put on hold you this know? wouldn't be putting it on hold dad this would be killing it destroying it lunch would be over and crosby would be crushed anyway that's been on my mind but well you got to do what's best for your family son right he's my family he's my little brother crosby's turned into quite a man you know he surprised a lot of us yeah yeah, yeah he can handle this I think it's time that you let it go, that you got to do what's what's right for you, son. I really thought that he was going to give him, like, kind of a guilt trip. And I I wrote that I was pleasantly surprised, opposite of the advice he gave when, like, Crosby slept with Gabby. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. I loved it, too. And, like, it was kind of generic advice, but I think it was sound advice. Like, you do what you got to mm-hmm. do. and. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was the most respectful of Crosby that we've seen because it was treating oh, Crosby sure. like an ex- an adult. Yeah, he can handle it. Agreed. I also, not to skip ahead too much, but I was also really pleasantly surprised with how well Crosby took it when Adam I, told him. Yeah. I, was, I said mm-hmm. Crosby took the news like a grown-up. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But why do you think? Do you think there was a reason why he didn't fly off the handle, which also would have been very in keeping with his character? To me, it just seemed like he was more sad than angry. Like, I feel like earlier season Crosby would have taken it out in a form of anger. But like, this is like his dream dying and getting to work with his brothers. So to me, it just seemed like he was more internalizing it and was just sad like this thing is dying and not necessarily mad at adam yeah i agree i think that um like they kept using the word devastated and i think he was i think crosby was devastated and so that made him turn a little bit more inward and just kind of accept it and almost like thinking back at past crosby he's just dealt with so much right there's been a lot that's happened yeah with this guy and so i almost think maybe he's like okay, well, I've had X, Y, and Z happen to me, all these things, and this is just my next thing. Like, woe is me, kind of, but but I'll take it, right? And I understand he's losing something and devastated, like you said, but that does not give him an excuse to put his shoes on the bed (laughs) when he gets home. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
we had a moment talking about the shoes on the bed. Like, <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. It's like they're just so intentionally placed with the soles of his shoes on the, the comfort. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine's not standing for that either. That's true. Good point. Now, I did have a nitpick about the central conflict. Yeah. Which is just that no one ever brought up the possibility that Crosby could keep running the luncheonette and Adam could step away. Mm-hmm. Is that not a possibility? Like, I realize Crosby has no business experience, which he even says when he, like, hangs the picture mm-hmm. up. One of these people has no idea how to run a business. And he says, I still have no idea how to run a business. But couldn't he find a partner to do that? Oh, yeah. And I realize he's not going to like anyone as much as his brother and that it won't mean as much with anyone. But just this idea of like, well, Adam's killing Crosby's dream. He doesn't have to. Crosby mm-hmm. can own his own studio. He already does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just it, it was strange to me that no one ever even brought it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at least for Crosby to say, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, yeah. now I understand why it's off the table. Right. But I was like, why is no one? And it makes me wonder, is that the solution that eventually happens? Mm-hmm. And so they have to just pretend like it's not even a possibility. I don't remember. But now I'm kind of assuming it is. Like, well, we have to mm-hmm. all act like no one could have ever seen this option because it's the one that's coming. <laughs> yeah. I wrote something in my notes along the lines of, am I on Adam and Christina's side? Is that, like I just kind of couldn't believe it because I usually am not. Uh, but in th- in this case, I did feel bad for Crosby, especially because he was at least with Adam being a grown up, and you know with with Jasmine as well. I think because he was kind of pouting a little, but you're allowed to. I like that he didn't pout to Adam. He wasn't making Adam feel bad. I feel like that's what a spouse is for. Like you know, like you could just yeah. get, or, or or a friend who's uninvolved. It doesn't have to be a spouse, but like. It would be unfair to do that to Adam, I think. But it was I was like, yeah, get it out, you know, and he wasn't being mean. He was just hurt and sad. And he's definitely allowed those feelings. And if he pretends like he isn't those things to someone, it's, you know, he'll, they'll just eat at him. So I really liked all of that. And it helped me be more on his side. But I still didn't like that Jasmine went and talked to Adam. Your brother doesn't know I'm here and I would prefer to keep it that way. OK, OK. He told me about the luncheonette. And I understand. Okay, I know that okay, you have good. to do what's right for you and your family. But I'm here right now because I have to do what's right for my family. Jasmine, I, I, I thought about listen, this. I know. Yeah. I, I know there's so many reasons to close, and they're all really good reasons. I know. Okay. But there's also a lot of reasons to keep it open. More important reasons. I know it's family and it's yeah. a dream, but it just hasn't worked out the way that we wanted it to, and I'm not sure that we can. That turn doesn't it mean around. you give up, though, Adam. I mean, you guys started this together, and the luncheonette means a lot to you, to our families. Your know, your niece is about to have a baby. She's gonna have a know, baby. Know, She's depending on this. I talked to Crosby, and it seems like he was understanding. He's not understanding at all. He's devastated, and I've never seen him like this before. I'm worried about him. I know he needs this, so I'm just asking you, please, promise me you reconsider. That's all. Just give me some time to think about it. Okay. It is really hard for me to say no. And if I say no, and then someone like leans on me, like, won't you reconsider? 
I hate that so much because I probably will reconsider and you'll probably, mm-hmm. I'll probably say yes mm-hmm. then, you know? And right. I just feel like if it took everything I had to say no to something and then people won't accept that as an answer, that's hard for me. And I felt like that's exactly what happened to Adam. Like it was really oh, hard yeah. for him to have that conversation. And then I think we're supposed to be happy at the end, but I kind of wasn't because I was like, I felt bad for Adam. He wanted out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't like believe Adam at the end. Yeah. But right. but he does make that really good point to Christina where he was like, Crosby saved me. Yeah. And now it's my turn to save him. Like, I do feel like he believes that sentiment. Mm-hmm. But when he like comes back and he's like, nope, we got to put that picture back up on the wall. I was like, nah. nah, nah <laughs> I, I, know, I felt like. Yeah. I feel like I was watching resentment being born. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not rooting against the luncheonette, but yeah, I was on Adam Christina's side. And it's just like, Adam's saying yes because he feels bad in this moment. But when the business is struggling mm-hmm. and it's really stressing him out again, as it's going to, yeah. mm-hmm. he's going to wish he wasn't a part of it. And he's going to feel like he recommitted to it under duress. Yeah. And he's going to blame all the people who put that pressure on him. And mm-hmm. this is just, it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I, w- I was kind of on Adam and Christina's side. And while I was like so happy to see Jasmine have a scene with a Braverman that wasn't Crosby, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something I'm actually not sure has ever happened. I mean, she's been part of the like Bachelorette night and the baby shower yeah. in the last episode. Has she ever had a one on one scene? I guess she and Sarah like got ready for that date with Carl. She and Christina were like hugging, hugging when Gabby was in the other room and, and Jasmine's telling her all about their fight and Gabby feels awful, but I don't know if that counts. Cause it was like, Oh yeah. Or when Julia says, Oh, Crosby's really changed. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so I, yeah. I stand corrected, but it feels very infrequent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was like, for sure. So Zeke's singing a different tune, but we've still got some emotional bullying going on here. I felt like that's what Jasmine did. Yeah. I didn't like that. She was there without Crosby knowing about it. Yeah. I felt like she was being emotionally manipulative to Adam. Mm, I did think And that. I felt like she was emasculating Crosby more than Renee ever did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like saying, don't tell him I'm here. And yeah. yeah. I would have felt very differently if she'd gone there and asked him if there was any way for him to like divest himself from the business and let Crosby take it himself. Like mm-hmm. I said, like, can yeah. she have that idea and say, I don't know how to tell him this. Mm-hmm. Right. But could you, can you tell me, is this feasible and can I suggest it to him? And would you maybe like stay on for a while to set him up for success? But I understand why it's not good for you. And rather than just asking him to just change his mind completely. Yeah, I would have liked mm-hmm. that a lot more if she had done that, because that would have felt like a lot more fair. And like, here's a solution that maybe no one's thought of before, as opposed to yeah. just you already made up your mind. And I, I hear that, but. I don't care. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah. yeah, And like she says, like, you have to do what's best for your family, but I have to do what's best for mine. So if she respects his decision not to be a part of it, but if she's saying, like, I don't know how best to support my family right now. And I think you might be able to help me. And I know you still care. Yeah. Even if you don't want to be part of the business. Can you help me? By contrast, I thought Christina, even though she seemed weirdly vehement (laughs) about like, well, you said you weren't doing this mm-hmm. anymore. I-, I thought she was being genuinely supportive. Is that the lunch budget? Uh, luncheonette numbers. I'm just going over these numbers again. The luncheonette 
Yeah, we you know get this insurance money, and then we've had this ad jingle company come in, and if I can get oh. them to come in more, I think we could start to turn a profit. Maybe. Um, why are you? I thought we were just. I thought we were done with that. So why are you looking? We at were them? done, and then Jasmine came to talk to me about it. Jasmine came to talk to you about it. Why? For what? What? Crosby did... about how important the business is to the family, and just told me that. Crosby's really devastated, and he's... Well, I know he's probably really sad. You're sad, I'm sad. This is a loss, is you know, sad. but... I don't know what he's gonna do. He is a big boy. He'll get over it. He'll move on, just like you're doing, what we're doing. Yeah, I just don't know if he will get over it. It just means so much to him, but... and when I look back, Christina, if you remember where I was at when we started the luncheonette, I, I was get terrified. It. But, honey, you ran the numbers. I don't think you know how terrified I was when I yes, lost my I job do. at TNS. And I the remember. luncheonette saved me. Crosby saved me at that time, and now I feel like... I should be there for my brother. I just, I don't want his feelings to force you into a bad decision, financially. I just don't. Right. You know, you've no, done right. so much for this family. You've you're always right. been just, there. It's a tough decision. I'm I trying to do it. the right thing. And I just, and I gotta get some air right like now. You I gotta go do. take a walk. Okay? I love you. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I just gotta take, take a minute. It felt like bizarro world to me, where I was like, in what universe do I think that I agree with Christina more than Jasmine? That's not <laughs> how, how it goes for me. So things get crazy near the end of the final season. That's right. <laughs> Curveball. Do you think this is evidence of that Christina actually has hated the luncheonette the whole time? Because she did seem a little giddy to like, wait, wait, wait. I thought you said we're done with that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I heard that. Like, yeah. Or maybe she just knows her husband. And knows it's hard for him to say no. Yeah. And sees the same thing happening. And she's like, who's going to have to listen to him gripe about this? Right. Not Crosby, not Jasmine, me. <laughs> yeah. Probably a little bit of all of the above. Yeah. 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 And I was just going to say, he has said to, her, to Christina twice now that it's like a weight around his neck and he wants it off. And that's right. a yeah. pretty intense description. And it's yeah. more than once that he said it. So. Mm -hmm. Well. It's funny to me that Caleb was like most invested in this storyline because this one felt like a side storyline to me in this this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I would just really felt bad for Adam because I, I, yeah. I thought, which is so rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, yeah, it's probably like Melissa, I identify with the having a hard time saying no to things. And yeah. I could tell that he really genuinely felt bad about ditching Crosby. It wasn't, Oh, for sure. Out yeah. of some like, well, this is going to look bad. I think he really meant it. And like you said, Shane, like I think he, when he said Crosby saved me, I think he meant that too. And so mm -hmm. that is why it was so hard for him. But he did it anyway because it was the right choice for him. And to watch him get talked out of that. Yeah. Just like this is a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't want to be a part of this, you shouldn't have to be. I just looked at my notes and I have one more question about this storyline, which is um, at the beginning when Crosby's hanging up the picture of the two of them and he's like, look at these guys. They don't know what's happening to them. But, you know, and he's just so enthusiastic. I wondered, is he being sincere? He's just that excited or is he manipulating Adam a little bit? Like in case you're thinking of backing out, I'm going to make this as hard to back out of as possible. I genuinely couldn't tell. Mm. I wondered what you mm. all thought. I didn't think that, but now that you say it, like that could very well be oh, the yeah. case. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. 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 But I think I would still lean towards Crosby genuinely being excited and happy to share mm -hmm. that just because 
clearly loves being there so much. And, you know, he's looking through the catalog of the equipment. I think, I think it's all genuine to get things back up and running again. Yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's trying to manipulate him there, but I could, I could see how you might wonder that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I also think there's a little, I think it was on Adam's side too, because it feels like Crosby is romanticizing the luncheonette because it's like almost dead, mm. which happens with the dead all the time. Like, well, we're perfect. I thought the same thing when Camille was like, thank goodness I threw my list away. I'm like, oh, why? Because you had such a perfect marriage to Zeke. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And I thought, well, but of course, at this stage of their marriage, she's probably yeah. not thinking about that when he yeah. has like come close to dying several times. Yeah. And she has built a life with him. And like he says, you know, you don't hold on to that stuff. I don't think she's holding on to her anger yeah. about Zeke, which she's had a lot of over the years, I'm sure. <laughs> oh. And so I think Crosby, now that like the luncheonette is dead or was almost dead, was like deifying it. And yeah, it was his dream. But I think, well, Crosby, is it your dream that Adam books these jingle people again for more sessions? Because yeah, right that's now, true. that's what the luncheonette is. Yeah, and right. Last time we saw you recording one of those things, you were checked out, not paying attention, dissatisfied, and miserable. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's your dream for the luncheonette to be a success. Yeah. But is it your dream to be slogging away at it every day, trying to make it a success, even though you might ultimately fail? I don't think that's your dream. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know. Yeah. Good point. Good luck to him, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, last and yet first, because it was the first scene in the episode, is Zeke's quest for this Reggie Jackson baseball, which I couldn't give less of a shit about. (laughs) 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 But they find this film. And Melissa, you said earlier it was like one of your favorite parts of the episode. Yeah. I was so confused by it because I'm like, what did the what bearing did the film have on Anything else that happened in the episode? Okay, here's what I think. Okay. I think that they found the film because so many of those pictures are in the opening credits. And so it's just like a little like full circle moment for like, oh, you wondered where these pictures from the opening credits were maybe? Caleb probably did. Yeah. Yeah. But like... (laughs) Here, like, isn't this sort of a fun reveal? And it was just, to me, it felt like a really lovely, like, I thought it was just, like, a lot of things I didn't know I wanted. Turns out I did. Like, both getting those photos and then also them going back to the house and seeing the Mm -hmm. family playing in the house and them thinking about what that used to be. Boy, she's got her hands full. Yeah, I hope she's loving every second of it. So, go knock on the door. Okay. What? Well, I changed my mind. Because someday those kids are going to be playing hide and seek or messing around in the barn. They're going to find an old shoebox full of baseball stuff, and they're going to—they're going to think they found the hidden treasure. It's going to be the best day of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, let's go home. So it wasn't the ball. I don't think the ball mattered. I think it was just that, you know, the the idea that the ball was a catalyst for like these like little closure moments to happen. I didn't 
remember that they went back to the old house and I would have thought I didn't need that but I loved that it was painted a different color because it Mm -hmm. was like oh it's different now and it belongs Mm -hmm. to them but look Mm -hmm. it's a young family like we were and and then not even going to get the ball I thought meant oh yeah because that doesn't matter he's just thinking about his legacy and what he's going to pass on and maybe seeing that family play this is just hitting me now and seeing all the photos it's like, that's what you pass on. That's what the great grandchild will get. This ball doesn't matter. Right. I had all of the same exact thoughts. Yes. Like, I love this storyline. Oh, like, cool. Some of the things you just said, I had written down. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, I, I love the idea of finding the pictures that we've seen for six seasons. Because, like, yeah. if they had never found those, you wouldn't have even thought about it. Like, yeah. Well, I wonder where I all didn't. those pictures came from. <laughs> but... But then when they just show up and then after Max develops them and you see them scattered across the table, you're like, oh, I recognize all of these pictures because I've been looking at them for six years. And I I just thought that was cool because it didn't need to be in this, like, it didn't serve any purpose really to the plot that we find these pictures. It was just kind of, I thought, a cool callback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I love them going back to the old house for the same reasons you said, because physique it probably feels like it was yesterday that those were their kids out there and now that's the next generation of family drama for another tv show like starting (laughs) out in the yard there but yeah but um i also really like because obviously when they left that house zeke was the one who really didn't want to leave yeah required all the convincing and he would have stayed there until he died if it was completely up to him obviously but then he's the one sitting outside of their old house who says let's go home to somewhere else yeah yeah Meaning like you know the building isn't the home it's Mm. wherever they are and their family is and maybe it makes him feel good about selling the house seeing it being used the way it was you know it's not just them puttering around you know just two Mm -hmm. people it's full of life again yeah that's all very beautiful. <laughs> I I was going through something, I guess, while watching this episode. Because I that all makes sense. I did like seeing the old house. I, I had forgotten too. And I thought this is a nice surprise. And I feel happy that we got to see it again before the series is over. Yeah. But then I felt like the kids playing and the pregnant mom in the doorway. I'm like, this feels like propaganda for breeding. But like... <laughs> That, like, the agenda of this show is you got to procreate. Nothing matters more than that in this world. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, I mean, I know it's like, yeah, there's kids in the house, and there's some point about the circle of life. It just felt like a commercial against birth control or something. And then, like, and I think then you Zeke, were going through something. Yeah. I must have been. And then Zeke, like, leaving the baseball, he's like, well, they're going to think it's buried treasure. It's like, that's really hoping against hope that these kids care about baseball at all or know who Reggie Jackson is. Like, if I found that, I don't care. <laughs> Toss it in the trash. I don't, you know, I probably wouldn't ever go digging in the attic of the barn anyway. He's <laughs> just like, go get your ball. What are you doing? I did like, let's go home. <laughs> oh my God. You know, as someone who has chosen not to have kids, I didn't see it that way. But I will say, sometimes this show can feel... Like, we talked about it, like, way when we first started the podcast. Like, 
It's interesting how none of the siblings even talk about not having kids. I mean, I guess Crosby talks about it. He has a kid because it turns out he had a kid five years ago. You know, like when the show starts, he thinks he doesn't have kids. But yeah, I mean, it is sort of interesting. And, you know, like no one was gay. Uh, you know, I guess Hattie has an episode of being gay. Um, but, you know, so so we, <laughs> but we like to, we talked about like, you know, how traditional a lot of the values on the show are. And so I, I think I get what you're saying too. Like that's well, unlike how yeah. when Amber told Zeke she was pregnant, he had no questions. It was just rejoice. Yeah. That that is actually You are procreating. I'm like, what? I mean, I'm glad that someone was supportive and yeah. happy for mm-hmm. her. But it's like you don't need any other information. Right. I actually <laughs> I actually that's a little like sister wife to me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do think that Amber being pregnant this last season, that did feel a little like procreating storyline. Like that's what matters a little bit to me. Like I I sometimes was like, is the whole reason that they're doing this so that Zeke, who's facing the end and he knows that his legacy continues? Because I'm like, it's not a great thing for amber is it i mean like she's sing- <laughs> she's single and now she's like for sure not going to college 21 and she, she doesn't have any money always has her door open yeah her business is failing yeah yeah like i just she can't build a crib yeah i think <laughs> kids are wonderful i mean i chose not to have them myself but like i'm, I'm like yes please have children if, if that will make you happy but i just it was hard for me to be super joyful about this storyline because i'm like this is not the ideal way to be pregnant, right? Like this isn't like, yeah. yeah. And I don't know. And it just, it felt a little like Amber's character getting kind of like pushed under the rug or something. Like, like we're going to like put you in a bad situation to make Zeke really happy because he'll have a great grandchild and it's full circle, even if he dies. Like that's kind of, you know, and (laughs) when you put it that way, it's a little sad. Like, couldn't he have just trusted that someday when his, grandchildren were stable and in like relationships that I don't know not that you can't choose to have a kid on your own but she didn't really choose it she got pregnant at 21 Mm -hmm. you know and and it just Mm -hmm. it's fine I've enjoyed seeing her pregnant she's adorable (laughs) you know (laughs) she is acting the hell out of it but it's a little sad to me. Like, I think I was happy seeing that family play because that felt right. And also, like, why would a childless couple move into that giant house? You know, like, Mark, yeah. Mark yeah. and I wouldn't have bought that giant house. And so, like, I I was really there for that. But I think that the show can feel a little, like, pro-breeding in moments <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like that. Yeah. And then I was like, even the show is called parenthood. Yeah. So should I be shocked that right. their Good stance point. on children is thumbs up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still though. Yeah. It's literally like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, there was one scene in this storyline that I loved like unreservedly. And that was this one. Grandpa. I, I just want to say that, I'm so sorry about ruining the trip to France. Oh, gosh. I really am. I did not mean to do that, you know? That's just all I can think about. When you had the heart attack, it's just like, you know, what if, like, what if I lost you and I didn't, and you were mad at me? Oh. I don't even know how I would have been able to live with that. And I'm just, 
I really am so sorry. Oh, Grant said, come on, tying yourself in knots over this. Come here a minute. I'm sorry. Hey. Grandpa, I really am. Come on. No, it's true. It's okay. I mean, I was, I was scared, you know. When that happens, the last thing you're going to hold on to is anger for anybody or anything, right? Yeah. I don't like thinking about it. Well, I don't either, but I mean, it's going to happen. And when it does happen, I can guarantee you I'm probably going to be pissed off at somebody. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Heck, <laughs> it might even be you. But you know, the crazy thing is, is that the anger that you feel is usually for the people you love the most, right? When Adam and Crosby were kids, they used to make me so angry. They just running around screaming and yelling. I couldn't get them to shut up. I mean, it was like I wanted to kill them. No, I mean, and it's not a metaphor. I really wanted to kill them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they'd be running around, they'd be screaming. And and then he has an epiphany about the baseball, which I don't care about. But <laughs> <laughs> everything up to then, I was struck that it could have been a really weepy scene, like the kind of scene that Parenthood does very often and very well. But I felt like it took a different tone that I think benefited it. I, I thought it was amazing to see two people calmly and like only semi-articulately talk about mortality. Mm -hmm. And... It felt very real for these two men and like very emotional without being demonstrative. Mm. Uh, just Drew saying, I don't like thinking about it. And Zeke saying, I don't either, but it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, who cannot relate to that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I loved that. And then also what Zeke said about feeling angry towards his kids echoes what I've heard many parents um, and I think maybe just fathers. Mm. Definitely my own has told me this before <laughs> about wanting to kill your own children and like it, it kind of not being metaphorical Shane like, <laughs> no. I don't know if I can go on record saying that in a non-metaphorical way but they uh, certainly can get on your nerves <laughs> I mean, my dad's always like that's why kids are cute because <laughs> if they weren't you would just kill them uh, and I've I've heard that that feeling is a big part of the inspiration for Stephen King writing The Shining. Wow. Oh, it was, wow. How does, a how does a parent with that feeling, what, what's the horrific version of that? Oh, well, put man. them in a hotel and, yeah. and wow. have the dad be haunted and alcoholic. And wow. suddenly it's not just a thought in his own head anymore. Also, on a superficial level, sakes alive, Miles Heiser is really beautiful. <laughs> just like watching this episode of like, you're just you got gorgeous skin, uh -huh. vibrant eyes, uh -huh. his striking facial structure. It's like just really good looking. You know? Yeah, I have loved watching him grow. Like thinking back to little Drew long time ago. Yeah. And yeah. now how he's grown up. This was the first time that I have felt like, oh, he looks a little tiny bit like Dax Shepard. Just a little bit. Oh, interesting. And that's where I was like. Oh, wait. So they maybe, maybe they chose him because he looks like he could really be this this guy's nephew. Oh, you know? I love like, that. Yeah, I had never thought that before. But this in that scene, I was like, oh, he reminds me of Dak Shepard a little bit. Yeah. I like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just going to say that my husband watching this episode, he was like, 
man, that kid got cute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. Like, yeah, like I'm just like straight dude noticed it too. That's how handsome. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> look at that. It, it's yeah. also something I love about shows that are on for a long time. Mm-hmm. You get to watch, you know, like they made it mm-hmm. such a big deal about boyhood, mm. letting you see that those characters age in real time over 10 years. I'm like, well, if a series runs 10 years, that happens all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And, you know, yeah. look how much Drew changed and Victor was so tall now and just three seasons ago he was you know cute little kid and like now he's kind of gawky adolescent yeah and if you watch cobra kai then you can see him you know be a fully grown adult and that old picture of sarah that they develop yeah it's funny to see lauren graham at that age because she doesn't look that young on this show but like if you go back to gilmore girls my mental image of lauren graham now is sarah because i'm watching this show so if I ever see scenes from Gilmore Girls, I'm like, oh, my God, she looks so weird. <laughs> and she doesn't look yeah. weird. She just looks like she's in her 30s because yeah. she right. is. Yeah. Yeah. And she looks younger. But to me, I'm like, that's bizarre. Why is your skin so tight? Because <laughs> <laughs> her skin was tight. And, and then this was like, it looked like her in her 20s or something. Yeah. Like back in her yeah. like Caroline in the City days <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, was she on that? One episode, she had, right? She was a oh, recurring. Uh-huh. Oh, she was I recurring? Think. I didn't know that. Isn't that where she and Peter Krause originally met? Weren't they in the same episode? I didn't see that, I don't think. I think I read that somewhere. (laughs) Um, I also loved that scene with Zeke and Drew, but my one quibble, if I were to quibble, is that Zeke did not apologize to Drew. Drew, And and I was like, it's it's fine that Drew apologizes to Zeke, but Zeke was wrong, I thought. Like, like he was putting all this pressure on Drew. And then mm-hmm. on the other side, Camille was putting all this pressure on Drew. He was squarely in the middle. I thought it would have been really nice for him to acknowledge it was unfair. Like, we were, you know, yeah. you know, but whatever it's Zeke like it's not like he's an apology machine you know that's probably the best we're gonna get like you know but that maybe that he was, was a, yeah maybe he was about to apologize when he suddenly remembered where the baseball was <laughs> yeah that was coming up yeah that's right yeah I really thought it was cute that when he had the epiphany he kind of like paused and so Drew was like are you okay and then he was like grandpa you scared me like I just thought yeah. that was oh that really got me Man, why couldn't Drew have been gay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he should have been. I want to see who he brings home. Not Natalie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, well, because we had to meet Natalie, and she's been so compelling, so that's why. Truly. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that look on Melissa's face <laughs> just was worth a thousand words. She's so uncompelling that when you said her name earlier, referencing her, I was like, Who's Natalie? Who's Natalie? Like, yeah. It took me a solid two minutes to even realize who you were talking about. Yeah, I know. It's, you know. Well, okay. So this whole episode, clearly, <laughs> I, I felt was satisfying, but to me, it felt a little off. I was like, what's the tone with Joel and Julia? And like, I don't care about mm-hmm. the baseball. And yeah, I'm happy for Hank, but why is Sarah acting the way she is? I thought the Hank and Sarah storyline was the most successful, though, actually. like it was nice I liked too. seeing her weigh that, and then it was really satisfying when she said yes. And yeah. I thought the film being discovered felt, like, pretty inconsequential. Did we turn you around on that at all, or no? I I, I don't think that's so. That's fair. All I, right. No, that's good. That's good. I mean, it did spark their memory of that fight. Yeah. 
And I, I really liked that glimpse into that history. Yeah. It mm. was fine. I I didn't dislike the film. I guess I was just thinking like from like a dramaturgical <laughs> point of view. I'm like what in the plot depended upon finding this film? Mm. And it's like nothing. Nothing. They went back to the house because he went to the storage unit. Yeah. He was looking for the baseball. Yeah. It, you know, Hank finding that picture of Sarah didn't change anything with him. He had already proposed. It just felt like, you know, unlike the little red wagon, nothing depended <laughs> upon <laughs> the film. Yeah. Um, Did I get that reference right? It's a, it's a wheelbarrow. but Wheelbarrow, yeah, damn yeah, it. Yeah. So much depends yeah. on the little red wheelbarrow. Yeah. That's a poem. Glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. That's the whole poem. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> me, personally, I think I like stuff that doesn't totally go with the plot. Like, I used to... I, I've mentioned this example before, but I used to love the early seasons of Friends where they would just be, like, watching Three's Company and commenting on it and stuff. Like, I sort of like the moments that just feel like they're not in service of a plot and they're just character building or like us just being hanging out with these people or I don't know. Mm. So I, I think that's why I liked that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I totally see what you're saying as far as like from a like storytelling perspective, it, it didn't really make logical sense, but well, and if I wasn't analyzing it so much, yeah. I think I would have liked it more. Oh, I did love seeing young pictures of Bonnie Bedelia oh. with, I'm assuming her own children, some of those yeah. must have been. Yeah, she was stunning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really sweet. And then, like, I was also imagining, you know, Zeke and Camille don't get baby pictures in the opening credits. Yeah. And so it was, like, a nice glimpse of that. And I thought some at some point they must have gone to Bonnie Bedelia and said, do you have any old family photos that you wouldn't mind showing? And then, you know, she had to go find them, I'm guessing, and then... Somewhere out there, her kids are going, oh, there's me and mom (laughs) in that picture (laughs) on TV. I'm like, well, that's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just thinking the picture of Zeke and Camille when they're young must have been Photoshopped, right? I know they've worked together before, but they hadn't worked together when they were that young, had they? I don't think so. It was very good Photoshop, I thought. Like, I thought it looked really real, and I thought that was cool. I also thought it was smart that they didn't show it head on. Yeah. Because I have a feeling if we had gotten too good of a look at it, then we might have noticed. You would see the Photoshop. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, you showed us just enough yeah. to <laughs> know what they were looking at, That's right. and, but not scrutinize it. The way that the, like, <laughs> sometime we saw a picture of Seth and Sarah and their kids really young, and it was like embarrassingly fake. <laughs> yeah. No, it was not good. Well, I had written that returning felt like a theme like Zeke and Camille return to their house. Adam returns to Crosby. Julia returns to Joel. And then Sarah, I mean, she never really left Hank, but she does kind of return to him. Returns to the proposal. Yeah. But as we've been talking, you know, I brought up the other things like that also felt reoccurring in this, like ignoring the practical decision-making and following your, your larger like heart instinct or choosing how you're going to spend your time. Although I think that literally was my theme a few episodes ago. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I, especially anything that's like in the shadow of mortality, I think is going to have that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's like our time is finite. How are you using it? 
Mm-hmm. Shane and Alicia, we didn't ask you what you thought of the episode. <laughs> did you like it? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. But overall, there wasn't anything that I really didn't like about it. It was a good episode for me. Yeah, I liked it. And I'm sorry I was so much more invested in the baseball than you were. Uh, <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. Did, I did, I, there was one one note I had about that storyline that I wanted to bring up that I think was maybe my favorite line of the episode. And I think it probably just speaks to us as parents where they're watching the kids and they see the mom come out and she's pregnant. They say something like, oh, she's got her hands full. And then the other one says, and I hope she's enjoying or loving every minute of it. Because that's certainly something that as parents, like like Zeke said, he wanted to kill the kids. Like, it's easy to get swept up in that. But then all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, your kids are getting older really fast. And Zeke and Camille sitting out there in their old age, like I said earlier, probably feel like that was yesterday. And looking back, probably realize, you know, they probably didn't think to enjoy every minute of it in the moment because a lot of it is hectic and crazy and stressful. But now looking back, that's the most important thing you should do. Wow. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I love <Well> that. Said. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. I really loved this episode. I feel like the things that have been bothering me about season six are like the way that people have been absent from the show and like really feeling their absence and it just felt a little patched together or something, you know, like Sarah's in Napa, you know, stuff like that. And it just, it felt, I don't know, last episode and this episode with like almost everyone in them, you know, like it just, we're not focusing on Ruby and Sandy in this one, you know, like it feels like, okay, we are focusing on the Braverman storylines and wrapping them up, looking ahead. And so I think I really liked that, that it felt like the show. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It must be one of the binds that knowing you're in the final season presents you with, because like it allows you to wrap up the show the way you want. So it's great knowing it's the end from that perspective. But you know you only have 13 episodes left to wrap up the show. And there are some of these larger storylines like, I mean, now we know, okay, so Sarah's engaged. Yeah. That's probably going to be addressed in the next two episodes. Right. Joel and Julia are back together. Okay, that happened before the show ended. The luncheonette, it was up in the air and now they're back together with it. Okay, Amber is pregnant. Zeke's in poor health. These are big, large stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those all feel great to me to varying degrees, but I'm really interested in all of those, but you can't only tell those stories all season. You also have to have incidents happen in those 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. And so then things like Max harassing a girl at school and Ruby drinking and being the understudy in her play and <laughs> like all that stuff just feels like it pales in comparison. Like I, yeah. we're wrapping up this in gigantic story. I don't really care about this day to day stuff. It's like, but the day to day stuff wouldn't stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't know it's they're life. wrapping up the series <laughs> yeah. of their lives. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just another year. It's yeah. <laughs> idiots. That would be hard to balance all that. It does also make me wonder how different would this season have been if everyone was available, like if they were able to just include whoever they wanted, because they aren't always in every episode. Yeah. Would that episode with Amber having false labor have been really different if Sarah was there? Like maybe not, but there were, I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting what if. Yeah. Mm. It does feel like they really concentrated on 
Let's make sure we have people to start the season off and let's make sure we have people to finish the season. And then in between is just this revolving door of people being in and out. Yeah. I think that's why I'm enjoying the beginning and the end of the season because it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It feels more like the show. Well, you all have made me like this episode more. And I oh, didn't good. dislike the episode. I just yeah, Clearly, I was going through something. <laughs> I, I would say I've been fine. I don't know. But this I is guess. revealing something. Yeah. <laughs> we all have to journal about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, though, I do think that's fascinating. Like, we bring our own stuff every time we encounter any media, like, you know, and, and so often our opinion of it depends on all these factors that aren't just what the media is you know like it's like what we're going through if we're seeing a movie oh, yeah. in the theater it's like is, is the rest of the audience laughing or is are they you know it's, right. it's just interesting i think like yeah. to what degree are our opinions based on the thing that we think they are i don't know mm-hmm. yeah yeah but maybe sure. you just really didn't like it and that's okay too you know <laughs> like yeah like we don't have to agree it's kind of interesting when we don't i did like it and it makes me want to watch the next two like Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Because so. it does feel last episode in this, it really does feel like, oh, right. And now all the threads are coming together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Shane and Alicia, I just, it's so wild to me that I have not ever met you in real life and that <laughs> all four conversations we've ever had together are recorded. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I've just really, like, it's one of my favorite things about this podcast is that I got to meet the two of you. I probably wouldn't have met you oh. otherwise. Yeah. I've yeah. Really. Likewise. It's been yeah. lovely meeting you too. Yes. Oh. And great seeing you again for me. Yes. We don't live in the same place anymore. I know. Alas. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us, not just today, but all four times. Thank you for having us. It was fun. I still remember the first time you invited us on. Like we knew you were doing the podcast and Alicia was like a mega fan of the show. I enjoyed it, but she was like, the main parenthood fan. When I got your email for the first invitation, I showed her and she like Aww. literally like wept with joy. Like oh, she was man. so excited. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Oh. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been good. It has been. I still remember, yeah. I think I've told you this maybe every time, but we usually record at night because of your kids. And yeah. Yeah. I remember being kind of tired and loopy the first, the first one. And being a little like, okay, okay, I'm going to gear myself up to, to record at night. And then I had such a great time. I was like cracking up. My husband was like, who, yeah. are, who are, who is the guest? <laughs> like, you know, this is like full house, this, and, you know, yeah. it's just like, it was yeah. so great. And I think that's wonderful too. When something like that kind of I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. You're just like, oh, I didn't know what it was going to be. And it was wonderful. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Pretty great. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I know we're wrapping things up, but you mentioned Full House. Ah. And now this thought popped into my head. Who would win in a brawl? The Tanners or the Bravermans? Oh, Oh, no. I really... I think it's the Bravermans. They outnumber sure. them. They outnumber them. There's that. I don't know how much you can count on Danny Tanner and Joey Gladstone in a fight. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Jesse Jesse's gonna hold his own. Yeah. But like when yeah. you look at the Bravermans, like Crosby and Joel for sure can throw down. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and I think 
I think, well, and Zeke. Yeah. 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 Healthy Zeke. Mainstream. Hel- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Healthy Zeke. Like the Tanners are down for sure. <laughs> I think Kimmy Gibbler might provide some assistance if she's an honorary Tanner. Yeah. She, yeah, I could see yeah. her having like secret rage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Unleash itself chaotically. Yes. And I think you're right about Jesse. I think he would have no mercy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. no. How not rude. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Michelle would rip off her badge and say, "Politeness week is over." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a deep oh. cut. Deep cut. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Both shows are in the Bay Area, so maybe they met. Yeah, this could like, happen. That's yeah. Yeah. That's They just meet one day at like Alamo Square, you know? Uh-huh. Could mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. That's right. I picked the one public place I know. <laughs> I was impressed that you could Me name too. any place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Golden Gate Park, that's one. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe Jesse could record at the luncheonette, you know, Jesse and the Rippers. Oh, oh that's, that's their, how we save the business. That's, that's it. That's how it happens. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> Kimmy <laughs> has to go to Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There's a little timeline that yeah. doesn't quite work. But, but yeah. That's right. <laughs> Danny's their janitor. <laughs> oh, because he likes to clean. I'm with he's you. Clean. Of course. Yes, yes. No, but he's dead yeah. now. I oh, know. I oh, I'm gonna no. The, I'm going to cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All <laughs> right. Well,. I think we've said all we You know, we don't have to record at night to be loopy. No. Yeah. No. It is the afternoon. This is the afternoon. That's right. Where is our excuse now? Coming to you from the dead of (laughs) (laughs) mid-afternoon. All right. Well, at least for now, you can still check us out on social media, um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Parenthood Pals Everywhere. And ParenthoodPals.com. Thanks, as always, for listening. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.